is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss and Ream with you for the next couple of hours. Busy show today. We're down to the final four in the Stanley Cup playoffs after the Dallas Stars bounced the Kraken last night. We will touch on that and we'll look ahead to the two series conference, uh, the conference finals as well. And of course, huge game tonight for the Winnipeg Ice out in Seattle, taking on the Seattle Thunderbirds in game three of the WHL championship. We'll get to that right off the bat as well. And we'll talk more about the big stories around the league, uh, of which the Winnipeg Jets seem to be prominently mentioned in most of the offseason talk right now. John Mattis of the score on the demise of the Leafs and uh, the teams that didn't make it to the Final Four out of the second round. Mike McIntyre on the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And I got to tell you, folks, we have a great interview coming up later on in the show with the new head coach of the Winnipeg Seabears, Mike Taylor. Got a chance to catch up with Mike a little earlier today. And he has uh, incredible energy and excitement for this upcoming season. Hard to believe that uh, they're going to get going with training camp and uh, kick off their new beginning here in Winnipeg for pro basketball a week Saturday, May 27th. So we'll talk about that, find out more about the team, his staff, the players, and all that a little bit later on. And, of course, uh, fun time for sports. I mean, the bomber training camp, you know, as disappointing as it was with the Jets not being part of the uh, postseason party any longer. Ice still rolling. Centennial Cups in full swing right now out in Portage. We've got the Gold Eyes home opener ready to go for Friday. And, of course, we're going to be paying attention to this Winnipeg Ice Series that games will be broadcast on TSN, called by none other than the voice of the Jets, Dan Robertson. So uh, lots to get to today on the program. Welcome, everyone. If you just found us, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily, Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. Central, for the latest in the sports world and a focus on your Winnipeg teams. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Winnipeg Gold Eyes, as I mentioned, home opener Friday night. Get your tickets now. Fireworks after the game should be great. Can't wait to see how the pitch clock works in the American Association. Uh, Cinnaboy Down starting up next Monday. Modern Man, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, BP, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course the great taste of Little Brown Jug, our betting partner, Cool Bet, and we will get to a why not question of the day for not Autocorp over Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here and get this show started. What's going on? Us, feeling good. We go finally have the final four, just like everyone predicted. Vegas, Dallas, <laughs> and Carolina, Florida. Everyone saw this one coming. So uh, actually, shout out to everyone. Who, I should check our bracket to see who the uh, the leader is. It's definitely not me. After that great first round I had, the I mean, what the big biggest favorites: Colorado, Edmonton, um, and Boston. Out Boston. Toronto, out too. I guess is is that good for the league that all the favorites are big favorites are are done. Bah, I mean, it certainly makes it interesting. I think you know from a league's perspective, I'm sure they would love to have a few bigger markets, maybe a Canadian market or two. But unfortunately for uh, for them, certainly for the Rogers execs. That isn't happening. Uh, 
and we knew that that Leafs and Oilers were the favorites to come out of their respective sides going into the uh, into the series uh, in round two, but they didn't last. And uh, we finally got clarity as to who the Vegas Golden Knights would be playing last night, Reem, in a very exciting Game Seven between the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. And uh, once again, Jake Ottinger bounces back from a loss. His numbers following a loss are simply incredible. He was phenomenal last night, but, you know, credit where credit is due. Philip Grubauer was a monster last night. That game could have been lopsided in the second period, and it came right down to the final buzzer. Yeah, Jake Ottinger, for me, is one of the reasons why I was very high on Seattle as uh, going, not Seattle, Dallas going to the Stanley Cup final. I kind of realized it uh, last night. I mean, you look at who's left. He's clearly the best goalie, um, and you like their defense. They got Joe Pavelski, who's, you know, playoff superstar, but uh, Josh Bogra just play by play for the Stars. He tweeted after a loss, Jake Ottinger, 22 1 and 3, which is absolutely insane. And he said in two game seven starts, he's made 86 saves on 90 shots. That's a 956 save percentage. We remember the game seven last year against Calgary where he stood on his head. Um, so Jake Ottinger is, because, you know, making a name for himself. I think he's the best goalie remaining or starting goalie for all the teams. And I think Dallas got a real shot here. And I said yesterday, Dallas, they're they're very well set up. Um, I don't want, don't want to say like dynasty or anything, but they're very competitive, very good. And they're kind of like uh, I said yesterday, the West version of, of New Jersey. But, you know, they, they've been going, you know, had playoff runs going back to uh, what the bubble against Vegas. So that, they've been good for for a bit here, but I think they're really taking a step forward now. Well, and, and listen, the guys that are driving the step forward are, you know, the younger players on the mm-hmm. team. Robertson has not been the guy that was such a monster throughout the season with, what, 109 points. But Joe Pavelski, since returning, yep. has been, I mean, simply incredible, especially at the age. But, man, the guy last night that was absolutely everywhere scored the goal to finally break that 0-0 tie as Grubauer stood on his head was Rupee Hints. And, you know, we were talking last night about Hints and his background. We have to check into his draft year. You know, he was picked two spots after Jansen Harkins in the second round. Now, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback drafts years afterwards. It's not like everyone was going, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't take Rupee Hints. But he really has turned into an elite star player in the league. And, you know, I thought Tyler Seguin was awesome last night too. I mean, he had a couple of glorious opportunities that didn't go in the net. Jamie Ben is being impactful. And that team was built around those two guys, but really under Rick bonus, you saw a bit of a shift to Pavelski, but particularly Rupi Hints and Jason Robertson. And of course, with a goaltender like Jake Ottinger, they'll have a chance to win each and every game. Um, so they were certainly the deserving team, but I have to give credit where credit is due. What a run by the Seattle Kraken. And that is a team that you just can't help but like. I mean, do they have the star power of the other teams? Absolutely not. But, man, did they work and did they fight until the final second of that seventh game last night. And uh, tell you what, two years into their existence, to have a season that they had to make the playoffs, to beat the defending Stanley Cup champs in the seventh game, to get to a seventh game in in the second round, this Seattle Kraken team, uh, like, I'm not sure whether we expect them to be back here next year at the same time, but it really is clear that they're building something as an organization for their fan base 
um, something pretty special right now, and they absolutely should be holding their heads high after an incredible playoff run that was really more about will and grit than uh, any of the skill that maybe some of the other teams that they've been playing have. Yeah, one more thing on Dallas. They're, they're getting big contributions from from a couple rookies, or one rookie here, Wyatt Johnston. I think he really went under the radar for Calder voting. He's played a big role for them, second line, uh, center, 41 points in 82 games. That's fourth among rookies behind Matty Beneers, uh, Matias Maselli in Arizona, who also had a great season that really didn't get league-wide recognition, and Mason McTavish. So, uh, I mean, he had a big goal yesterday, and I really like this Dallas team. I think it's going to be a great series. We didn't see any like huge efforts. Remember Joel Kivaranta in the bubble house when he had the, those huge OT games? hero, OT hero. Huge games, but um, you got to like that from Dallas, and... On Seattle, you have to wonder: Did the NHL intend for you know have Vegas the expansion team, you know, four conference finals in six seasons, Seattle in a conference final in their second season? Um, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they did did someone screw up on these expansion rules and made them a bit too good, or is this as intended? Where you know they have it's kind of like Vegas, where they just don't have like superstars, but a lot of very good players and. You know, they had some nice draft picks with Maddie Beneers, and they did uh, Shane Wright fell to them last year, which they have some great prospects going forward. But credit to Seattle, and I guess if, you know, the NHL wants to try to sell some more expansion franchises, you say, hey, give us another uh, billion dollars, and you'll be in the yeah. conference finals. Two years, conference finals. <laughs> Look, we've got a nice track record here. A lot easier to go get some, some more money if they want to expand even further. Yeah, well, Seattle didn't quite get to the conference finals, but man, oh, they were sorry, close they didn't last get there. Night. I mean, um, it was game seven. But yeah, I mean, just listen, game seven and round number two. I mean, uh, you know, technically the the fifth last team standing. Now that there's four done, um, and you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, I guess. I mean, these franchises were over a half a billion dollars, and they made a point of having these teams be competitive. Now, Seattle wasn't that competitive last year, and I don't think anyone really expected them to do what they've done this year, but they have right now, and they are, uh, I mean, they're a great story, but it is frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of people with teams that have been around for a long time that haven't had that even the success to go to the second round. Uh, wondering what they have to do for it. But just you, you mentioned Wyatt Johnson. We had a great chat last night about him. And he's one of these players that has an incredible uh what the heck is going on here? You got some ad you got some autoplay ads there where you're yeah, trying to look up stats. Isn't that the worst? I know. Hockey DB, what are you doing? 1920, he had 30 points in the Ontario Hockey League. And of course, that was going into the uh, pandemic well the next year the ontario hockey league did not play the 2021 season and you know dallas to their credit took him late in the first round based on a 30 point season the year before well he gets back out onto the ice next year in the ontario hockey league after being picked and puts up 124 points and then goes straight to the National Hockey League and leads the league in goals for rookies this year with 24. Um, you know, you can have the big salaries on players like Ben and Sagan, but you need to hit on your picks. And uh, they hit with Jason Robertson. They absolutely hit with Rupee Hints. And now they've hit again with Wyatt Johnson, who's making a big impact right now, taking the Stars to the Final Four. And you talk about hitting on picks. They have one draft here from a couple years ago. Might be the best draft ever 
Huss. 2017, first round, pick three, Miro Heiskanen. Uh, number one, <laughs> number one D. Uh, 2017, also round one, pick 26, Jake Ottinger. Number one goalie, 2017, round two, pick 39, Jason Robertson. I mean, <laughs> all, all in the same the same round. So you have your number one D. Heiskanen, Ottinger, Robertson. In the same year. Wow. In the same year. Absolutely incredible. And that just sets your franchise up going forward. And they have those guys signed. Um, Robertson signed a, a deal last year. Ottinger signed. And Heiskanen signed as well. So, I mean, you have those guys and other pieces. And you're looking looking pretty strong. So I know Dallas in the Central Division. Um, and we're probably going to be seeing a lot of them going forward. And, I mean, I don't know who uh, I'm pulling pulling for here, Hus, But... Uh, Let's put I think it you gotta out to go the with chat. Dallas. Yeah. Let's put it out to the chat. Why not question of the day? Who you got meeting in the Stanley Cup finals? Do you have Vegas or Dallas? Do you have Carolina or the Florida Panthers? I can't tell you, just finishing up the lock shop reading, that the Vegas Golden Knights and the Carolina Panthers are favored in these series, but not massive favorites by any stretch of the imagination. I think you can make an argument that any one of these four teams that's still remaining right now is capable of not only getting to the cup final, but also winning the Stanley cup. I agree. I think it's very wide open. You can, I've looked at the odds. They're all pretty close. I think Vegas is, is the favorite. And for Carolina, I, you know, they had Tuvo Teravine and injured in the first round. And it sounds like he's skating in a regular Jersey. They're not saying that he's going to be, be back, but he says he's ready. Rod Brenner was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll see if he's got to see because they don't want to reveal <laughs> their injury stuff, like whatever." But uh, yeah, I mean, these Carolina's team—they've been building for a while. Florida, you know, they were first last year, you know, barely got in this year, and went on a, a heater, and their goalie's gotten hot. I don't know. I think I'm gonna. I think Dallas would be my pick. Us, they got the best goalie. I think they're very strong. I think they, although Aiden Hill's proven everyone, I mean, there doesn't matter who's in net. Um, Brossois doesn't sound like he's going to be ready. Logan Thompson might come back. They're not really saying anything about their bully situation. Could it be quick time if things go out? Just watch. Yeah. Quick will come in at some point in the cup final and then just revert to like 2012 Jonathan Quick and win another ring. He was good I last totally year. see that happening. He yeah, was good. I mean, at times, he just wasn't very good this year. Or when he got traded to the Golden Knights, and that's part of the reason why he hasn't been one of the top two goaltenders so far in the playoffs for them. I, I, I got to lean Vegas right now. I mean, we saw what they did to the Winnipeg Jets, taking on a team that obviously had a big advantage in net. And despite the way this series started, <clears throat> they pushed back, and the Winnipeg Jets did not have an answer for them. And to be honest, for a good portion of that series against the Oilers, Remo, despite the firepower that Edmonton was throwing over the boards, the Vegas Golden Knights really dominated a five-on-five for most of the series, other than maybe games two and game four, where Edmonton came back to win. I mean, but to be able to, to survive a series where you're basically getting lit up and the red light going on every time you take a penalty, I think it just speaks to how balanced and deep the Vegas Golden Knights are. And this is a team, as you mentioned, four trips to the conference final in six years. I mean, they have the experience. They've been there before. Not that Dallas doesn't. I mean, I think they gained a lot from that run to the cup final in the bubble before losing to Tampa. And a number of those players are part of it. 
I just have a hard time betting against Vegas after what we saw them do to Winnipeg and then especially the Edmonton Oilers, who I think most people thought were the most talented and dangerous team on the west side remaining after round one. Yeah, again, I think everyone was penciling in before the playoffs, Colorado into the conference finals for sure, defending cup champion. I mean, why wouldn't you? And Edmonton as well, but Vegas, they were first in the regular season. They've looked fantastic uh, throughout throughout uh, the playoffs so far, taking down Edmonton, who I was like, who's going to stop McDavid and Drysaddle? But you know, they do have a lot of other players, too. They can't play those guys uh, 60 minutes. So I think that's going to be a tight series. I think this other one going to be very tight, Florida-Carolina. A lot of great storylines in, in that series, too. Uh, um, you, know, you have, what, Paul Maurice coaching against Rod Brindamore, his former team, former captain. Maurice coaching Carolina two different occasions. And, of course, how could we forget the Stahl brothers going head-to-head, Eric and Mark on Florida. And it is Eric's former team, Carolina, that he did win a cup with. But it's Jordan now on Carolina. Uh, did I say He's the yesterday? Captain, or, isn't he? What? He's the captain. Jordan of, is? Uh, I thought Carol- Ron Brindamore Car- was Kings. still the captain. No, no, he's the coach. <laughs> he's not the captain. You cannot, I don't believe, he's the captain of the ship. Yes. But yeah, three Stahl brothers, and we, I guess we're guaranteed of having Stahl parents in the stands. For sure. At the Stanley Cup final, one way or the other. Uh, I, I kind of like Carolina, but very slightly. I mean, to me, this is a really, really tough series to pick. I mean, Florida is not the 92.8 seed team that snuck into the playoffs at the end of the regular season. This team has beaten the bullies on the block, the Boston Bruins, um, and come back and, you know, then taken out the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, two really, really good hockey teams. Although I'll say this, their challenge against the Carolina Hurricanes is going to be on a different level. Not necessarily of the high-end scoring talent that Boston or particularly Toronto had, but, man, the way the Canes forecheck the system that they play, the relentlessness. Um, Rod Brindamore has created a team that is really built for this time of year. That's why they win a playoff series each and every season, and they're knocking on the door. I, As much as I've been impressed with what Florida's done so far, I think I'm going to give the uh, the nod to Rod the Bod and the Canes to uh, get through as a very slight favorites in the East. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing Matthew Kachuk, uh, what he's going to do to piss off Carolina. Always something, and I think the number one villain left has got to be Sam Bennett. I I don't want to see this guy on my TV anymore. If he's like given wrestling, like what wrestling move do you think he's going to do? Is he going to execute a power bomb and not get suspended <laughs> on one one of the Carolina? He had a rock bottom in the first round. Yeah, I think there was a chokehold. <laughs> yeah, like... there was definitely a lariat, a lariat clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Florida, they they muck it up, and Radko Gudis, you know, the famous uh, holding the stick on the OT winner, that guy's had his fair share of uh, meetings with player safety. It almost He's reminded- a psycho. He's a complete psycho. Yeah. I, I'll never forget him with the tomahawk chop, almost like a beheading maneuver to poor Matthew Perot back when, uh, back when Perot was playing for the Winnipeg Jets. What did he get, four games for that? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember that one actually. Now I got to look it up, but. Oh my God. That was the most vicious. He got slash. 10. Oh, he got 10 games. It was 10 for that. Yeah. He cracked okay, down. Excuse me. Let me see this. I, let me see. Should I pull this up real quick? Yeah. For people, if they, if they don't recall, um, he's, yeah, he's a crazy guy too. 
you know, an absolute psycho, but a guy that, um, you know, what can help you win hockey games. And he seems like a Maurice type. Like, I think Maurice loves having a Radko Gudis on his team, a guy that's a little bit of a loose cannon. Here it is, if you remember this, folks, when Gudis was on the Flyers, not very pleased with Matthew Perot. And there, that's not a very good, uh, not a very they good They don't replay it. It's, yeah, they should have a replay. Here we go. Gudis not happy with Matthew Perot. Where is he? Oh, there's Perot in. Here's Fort. Perot right here. It's a better view. Oh! <laughs> Just, that was I mean, 10 that games? Was almost, that was almost the um, Peter Angelo slash, except to the back of Matthew Perot's unprotected neck. I'm shocked that that was 10 games. I feel like if this was today, it would be like three. Maybe one playoff game. Maybe it was in the regular season. Five K five, (laughs) and it kind of remind you know the series you saw like all the stuff Florida was doing to Toronto. It reminded me a lot of the when Paul Maurice coached the Jets to that sweep over Edmonton, where the Jets were just all over McDavid, doing absolutely everything to get in his way. Like Neil, it was that was the Neil Neil Pionk series, and I think Florida just took advantage that they're not calling any penalties, like Mark Stahl elbowing Mitch Marner at the end of the third period in the head. Like, they're not... They didn't call it. It was the most obvious penalty. They didn't call it. So, I, I'm expecting more of that from Florida. They're a nasty team. I don't I don't like that. <laughs> uh, don't forget... Oh, I guess today's the uh, Kenny and Rennie. Um, year-ender bender. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see some people out. I already see some talk and chat about that. Yeah, T-Will, the guillotine. That's exactly... That was the word I was looking for. The guillotine chop from Radko Gudis. Um, listen, we're going to talk a little bit more about these Stanley Cup playoffs. We will get to the ice later on. Mike Taylor, Seabears head coach, making his WST debut. And Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes as well. But as I mentioned right off the top of the show, the Gold Eyes are back this week. Home opener on Friday. Been counting down the days to get back to the ballpark for uh, the last couple months. We've got beautiful weather. If you're not out of town on Friday, make a plan to get out there. We'll be hanging out probably at Craft Beer Corner, trying some of the new food at the ballpark. What a great way. There's nothing better than the home opener. And, of course, there's fireworks on Friday as well. So let's pack the stands down at Shaw Park. We'll look forward to seeing you there. You can get tickets now at goldeyes.com. Get your tickets in advance, by the way, folks. Do not. I know there's always a lot of walk-up, um, but you'll save yourself. It might be an inning or two now with how fast these games are going to go with the pitch clock. So get to goldeyes.com, and we will see you there on Friday night. Uh, our friends at Modern Man Barbershops are now open with eight locations in Winnipeg. Had a great experience there a couple weeks ago. Shout out to the fellas down at the Pemina location. One of two new locations, actually, Pemina Highway and on Plessy Road, but eight in total now in Manitoba. Uh, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Well, with it being so nice outside right now, people are already thinking of summer. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options 
at aqua-tech.ca. Well, with spring here, a couple things are guaranteed for Manitobans. It's time to ride, get your motorcycles out and let the good times roll. And the grass is growing and it's going to need to be cut. If you need a motorcycle battery, the gang at Manitoba at Battery can get you hooked up with the right fit for you at the best price. And if you need a lawn tractor battery, you can get one with 280 cranking amps for 42 bucks when you return your core. That same battery's $30 more at the big box stores. And don't forget, not only does Manitoba Battery have the best price, but they're by far the most convenient option because when you spend more than 60 bucks, they'll bring it to you right to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for free. That's right, gang, for free. To learn more, find them online at manitobabattery.com. And you can also pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we get back to the puck talk, bomber training camp continuing. Big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, won't be long until we're at the Rum Hut and join Canadian Club, Brugal Rum and whatnot. But the CC and Ginger, if you can't wait for the games, now available in 473 milliliter cans at Liquor Marts and beer vendors around the city. Pick up your favorite Canadian club products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, well, we're down to four teams in the National Hockey League playoffs, and let's welcome in our pal John Mattis from The Score to look ahead and maybe a little look back at round two. John, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Andrew, I'm, I'm well. I was uh, in the little waiting room there watching you do your reads, and it was too much time to stare at myself on a screen and notice that... You know, maybe some beard trimming uh, needs to be taken care of here. But then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just have a great playoff beard, and that's just how it goes as a hockey reporter. Well, I guess there's a few a few playoff beards getting shaved out in southern Ontario right now. What I'm very interested as to how the loss in the second round, after finally getting over the hump and beating Tampa, but the way the second round did maybe took away from you know, that long-awaited series victory to get that monkey off the back of the Leafs as an organization. Oh, it was hugely disappointing. And to, for me, it comes back to the third game of the second round because the first two games, honestly, Andrew, they could have went many different ways. They obviously went down 2-0, but they could have been up 2-0. And obviously, we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Or it could have been 1-1. I really feel like they played well enough uh, to at least split that uh, that start and then game three you're thinking okay like if if they can get things going here um they're back in the series and and it's a toss-up and this is florida it's not this huge juggernaut they've got this but then the stars didn't show up uh the rest of the team played fine but again just the effort wasn't there it was a very uh i don't know if telling's the right word but a reflective uh, showing by the Maple Leafs in that game three as far as it just solidified or or confirmed everything that we thought about this team and this core and how when the pressure mounts, it seems like they wilt. And, and you know, it's old school to say that. It's uh, maybe a little unfair to say that, but the evidence is there. I mean, it, it's been seven years of, of first-round playoff exits. If you take away the first two and say, oh, they were young, they, they didn't know any better – well, you've still got five series there where they either were the favorite or the slight underdog or the heavy favorite. And um, they obviously got it done once uh, in the first round against Tampa, but this Florida series was right there for them. And the path to the cup was right there for them, oh. as a matter of fact, with Boston being eliminated by said Panthers. 
and the West not being, you know, as dangerous, I would say, as, as the East. So, you know, a lot of sour feelings in, in, in Ontario. And I think in the past, there's been a lot of frustration around this team, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness. I think apathy is, is a big, a big adjective that I would use to describe some, uh, some of the fans where they're just like, you know what, this team doesn't deserve my love. I'm, I'm going to check out next year. You know, uh, and I mean, and that happens, especially with the way the series went and you nailed it. I mean, they won game three. You're right back in the series. Even if you come back three, one, you know, which they ended up doing, I think you maybe feel like you've got a little bit more, but it just seems so insurmountable in the Stanley cup playoffs to get down three, nothing. And you know, that no show in game number three was something that I'm sure will be talked for a long time. Um, before we get to a couple of the other series, I mean, there was a lot of intrigue as to what would be heard from players and management at Garbage Bag Day yesterday. I mean, Austin Matthews' future, he's got a full no-move come July 1st. If he doesn't intend on being around there, you'd think that they'd need to go. And the question, of course, is who's making those decisions as well? What did you hear yesterday from the Leafs? What was the sentiment of the players? And there's a lot of people that expected some changes or even big changes. Uh, what's the smart money on uh, how different this team and organization looks uh, next year? Well, I think there'll be changes and some significant ones, but just to start with the players and, and how they reacted uh, at, at, like you said, garbage bag day or whatever locker cleanup day, uh, a lot of the same old sentiments, a lot of, ah, we didn't get the bounces or ah, I have faith in this team, um, which is fine. Like they're, they can say that all they want. I mean, there's, uh, it's their prerogative, but, you would have hoped there was a little more, you know, I can't believe we let down the fan base or I wasn't good enough or what have you. And everyone said the right thing as far as I want to return, which, you know, it makes sense. If you're under contract to, to request a trade, especially through the media, you know, a couple of days after you're ousted would, would be a little strange. So it was kind of par for the course there. And then we had the Kyle Dubas press conference, which, and well, I guess there was a Sheldon keep press conference but not much came out of that he said a, a lot but didn't reveal much uh over the whatever it was 10 10 minutes of of action with the media kyle dubas very raw very candid uh kind of laid things out um seems like pretty honestly where he says you know as far as the roster everything's on the table uh the coach he did not con- commit to for next year which you could read into like you know they're they're going to bring them back or you could that you can read into it that they're they're not um i think that's very up in the air and then the fact that he talked about his own personal story and the effect that this season had on his family and where his head's at moving forward where he has no interest in going elsewhere you know whether it's pittsburgh calgary i'm sure there'd be other uh, franchises interested in his services if he became available so he, he put that to bed but also uh you know made it pretty known that like I'm not fully committed, even if the Leafs come back and say, Hey, here's a five-year contract. So the, obviously the biggest takeaway though, was, was that the core four Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares are likely not going to return as is, I suppose uh, there's, there's a, there's a chance that they do, but for the first time Dubis in his tenure uh, threw a little cold water on his uh, commitment to that that core, and it's totally—I think it's probably overdue, uh, but it's totally reasonable given what they've given him in the playoffs. And 
uh, just the history of this team up to this point in this era and the fact that he's surrounded them with a ton of talent and he's gone back to the well in terms of the drawing board, uh, you know, hey, do we need toughness? Do we need leadership? Do we need a better defensive structure? And paid et cetera, a big price to get it and paid a big price to yes. get it. I mean, look at the assets that have gone out, what they have in the next couple drafts. I mean, that was all put in for this run. Um, Matthews is the biggest question mark. I mean, it sounded like he said that he's planning on staying there. He likes being there. How much of a sure thing is that? And can they afford to get into July 1st without some sort of an agreement on a, uh, on a contract for, uh, for Austin Matthews? Are yeah, they comfortable I'm... enough that that will just take care of itself over the year? I think so. I mean, <clears throat> Matthews himself seems like the type of guy that could handle going through a season on an expiring deal. I think he's wired that way. Obviously, it'd make more sense to do it before the season starts if you are, in fact, coming back. So my my money would be on him signing an extension. Um, and I, honestly, the Leafs, they should do it. I think he's the one guy that is a no-brainer to bring back on a long-term deal. You're just not going to win the trade when you're sending Austin Matthews out the door. And I don't think you want to test your test your luck in, in seeing how the season goes. And then, you know, he goes to free agency and hopefully he chooses you that kind of game. No, no, no. You don't want to do that. Um, and from Matthew's perspective, obviously there's a chance that he leaves, but I think based on his comments and just based on how he's acted since he's been in Toronto, there's a very strong chance that he wants to stay. The question for me is one term. I mean, do you end up locking this guy up for eight years or does he do another five-year deal like he did with this one? Uh, does he push the limit on how much he's going to make? I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to break um, Nathan McKinnon's upcoming record, or maybe not record is the wrong word, but uh, the ceiling that it, Nathan McKinnon has set as far as being the highest played, paid player. I think he's going to pass that. I think that's pretty obvious. But it's a matter of, okay, how far does he go? So is he going to make 13 and a half, or is he going to try to push for 15? And I think it's interesting where you can't fault the guy for for wanting what he's worth, but at the same time, you look across the league and all the talk, whether it's the New Jersey Devils actually right now with with Jack Hughes and Nico Heashier and that crew, there's a lot of rumors about how in that room they're saying, let's take less because we want to win cups together. Uh, you obviously saw it with Colorado and McKinnon before his big deal. You saw it in Tampa like it's it's kind of become a thing where the stars take a little bit less. You could argue McDavid did the same in in Edmonton. So does he do that? Does does Matthew say I'm going to leave a million a year, two million a year on the table to let the GM surround me with better talent, or just give some more breathing room? So I think that's the most interesting part of the Matthews discussion because I think it's almost for certain that he returns, assuming he wants to yeah. with the team. Because because if you don't bring Matthews back, if you're Toronto. If, it's the, if the choice is Toronto's and they say no, I mean, you might as well be blowing the thing up and starting from scratch. Because he's not – I know the, the the playoff success hasn't been there with him and he should have scored in round two of this playoffs. But he's easily a top five player in the world. Good luck replacing him. He was injured this year, so that factors into things. It's not an excuse. But could he put up 60 goals next year? Absolutely. Could he tear the playoffs apart like Leon Dreisaitl did this year in next postseason? It's certainly like pretty high on the range of possibilities. So it just gets interesting when you go out from there, when you leave the Matthews orbit and start looking at the other pieces. Well, oh, for sure. And listen, just before we get to the Oilers and a couple of the other teams, I mean, 
if that core four isn't back, um, like I can't see anyone taking Tavares at the no. ticket he's got right now. I think William Nylander is far, by far the most cost-effective player of those four. Is Mitch Marner potentially on the way out? Yeah, so uh, Tavares, no-move clause, bad contract. Like, there's just so many layers to that not happening. He's a declining asset in general with losing the foot speed and whatnot. So he's off the table, more or less. Let's put Matthews off the table for for argument's sake. Then, So you've got Marner and, and, and Nylander, and I think the Leafs should look for trades uh, when it comes to Marner and then maybe listen to trades for Nylander uh, in, in a sense where I think ideally you maybe keep Nylander at that six and a 6.9 uh, cap hit and hit, you know, the better performances in the playoffs and you move the guy who has been the worst out of the core in the playoffs, which is Marner and a guy who plays a certain way that I don't know if it's conducive to winning playoff hockey. And again, trying not to be Mr. Old school, but he does certain things that are very crafty and make him really like super valuable in the regular season, a Selkie candidate, but there's something about that style that doesn't necessarily translate to the playoffs. Like, you know, you could say the same thing about Artemi Panarin. Uh, these just really good playmakers who are super smart and and just have a, the puck on a string. A guy who jumps out that that is like that, but has that extra edge, that extra sort of quick ability to pass the puck is Nikita Kucherov. So I put Kucherov in that in that sort of bucket where he's a little different than Panarin and Marner, even though they're all playmakers. They all have that silky skill, um, but but. Kucherov just has a little more bite to him, and he also plays a little quicker with his hands. So anyways, that's my little rant about Marner. But I think he could net you something very good in a, in a package, but you probably have to assume that you're not getting the best player in the deal. Like Marner, let's face it, is still, I don't know, in terms of wingers across the league, top 10 at worst. Um but but the, 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 just change needs to happen. Like you can't bang your head against the wall constantly. And sounds and like another team. Uh, sounds like another team. We're exactly. uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about here and trades that you're making where you know you're probably not getting the best player back. But there is a need to make change, and certainly the Jets with their contract situations sort of being forced to do that, whether they uh, like it or not, because this organization in this market cannot afford to let top players like that walk for uh, walk for nothing. Uh, moving out west, it was another disappointment for the other Canadian team in the Edmonton Oilers. And, I mean, they were in the series a lot more than the Leafs were. But I imagine maybe almost because of that, and we mentioned the path with the Avalanche being out, maybe an even bigger disappointment for Edmonton considering what they'd done last year and the massive expectations, knowing they arguably might have the two best players in hockey. Yeah, it's a really tough one to swallow, and obviously we saw that with the way that Drysaddle reacted after uh, basically in tears talking to the media. And yeah, what what else could you expect from a guy like Drysaddle, a guy like McDavid? And I understand there were certain moments in that second round where they didn't quite rise to the occasion, but I think the body of work certainly saves them from uh, from criticism. Yeah, there were obviously the goaltending there. You know, Stuart Skinner wasn't supposed to be the number one. It was supposed to be a transition from Campbell to him over a couple of years, probably based on the the deal that Campbell got. So I have a hard time coming down on Skinner. He's just so young, so uh, inexperienced at the NHL level. 
that I don't put a ton of blame on him. Uh, I thought Matias Ekholm was a really good pickup at the deadline. I thought uh, their depth came through in the clutch uh, in the second round at various stages. Um, there's some pretty bad contracts there, though, whether it's uh, Dar- Darnell Nurse or or elsewhere. And, you know, you wonder about a guy like Zach Hyman and, and how he's going to age, uh, you know, some health issues there. And uh, it's it's just such a missed op- opportunity, though, Andrew. I mean, you hit, you hit the nail on the head with – You've got two like I think you could argue Dry is the number two player in the world, but at worst five, right? Like there's no there's no question about that. And I know that hockey's different than basketball. It's different than football and quarterbacks and the amount of value one player brings, but how they were filling the net and how dominant they were how dominant the Oilers were at times when they were on the ice, it's just it's a shame that they can't push through and they have enough term on their contracts, though, that you look at it and go, okay, run it back at least, you know, for the most part. You know, let's make some tweaks around the edges if, if you're Ken Holland. But that doesn't make it any easier to, to swallow, any easier to to look in the mirror if you're Drysad or McDavid and, and go, oh, I got to go through another summer preparation, another 82-game uh, schedule where I set a new record or we finish 1-2 in scoring and um, – yeah, it's. I mean, like, let's face it, Andrew. It's, it's sad across the board for Can- Canadian teams. Like, we're thirty years into this thing, and I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, you know, someone in Red Deer is like hopes that the Canadians win a cup one day because then a Canadian team will win. It's not necessarily that, like, the cheering aspect. It's just the pure numbers of like, you've had thirty years to do this. <laughs> Six or seven teams. Obviously, the Jets were gone for a bit, um, and. Like I would love to talk to someone who can crunch the numbers on that. Like, what are the chances of thirty year of a thirty year drought? And it's not like these teams haven't been competitive. It's not like these teams don't have money. And well, they've got to the final too. Vancouver's yes. got to the final. Edmonton's yeah. got to the final. Ottawa got to the final. Calgary? The Habs got to the final. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, yeah, Calgary. They lost. I mean, pretty much everyone except for the Leafs and the Jets. Yeah have been to the cup final at some point and nobody's won it. I think that is maybe a little bit more of an aberration. But John, as you mentioned, um, in the rest of Canada, well, now from coast to coast, if you're an NHL team and an NHL fan, it is off to the off season. And we saw our friends at The Athletic put out their first trade bait board. Four of the top eight players were members of the Winnipeg Jets, including number one and two on the list. From outside of the market, I'm interested in your perspective on what is expected to happen here in Winnipeg and just how wild of an offseason it will be for this organization and its general manager, Kevin Chevalier, with massive decisions to be made and, and really being forced to, as we mentioned before, with the expiring contracts at the end of this year of team control of Hellebuck, Shifley, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, I'm going to ask a question back to you, Andrew, mm-hmm. where... We've got the same owner, the same GM for the past however many years. I don't know the exact number, and they're they're bringing back uh, Chevy, and he didn't exactly instill confidence in the fan base with his press conference, basically saying, "Hey, we've made the playoffs five of the past six years. Give us a pat on the back. Give us some love here." I I look at that and I look at the way that he hasn't thrown his stars under the bus, and I go, "Is he going to do maybe just one move this summer?" Is it going to be nothing? Like, I'm not, I'm not, tell me, Andrew, like, are you convinced that there's going to be big changes in, in Winnipeg? I am. Yeah. And, I, and I am. And, and listen, it's not necessarily because I think that they really want to. 
Um, it, it, it's sort of two parts. I think they absolutely need to move on from Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Um, and we've seen, and I mean, there's plenty of folks that are pretty tied in outside of the market that the belief is that Blake Wheeler won't be there this year. I think they tried to do that last year. They didn't want to eat the money and ended up bringing him back. And listen, credit where credit is due. Blake always plays his ass off. But I mean, this is more about a culture change of the Winnipeg Jets and moving on from a guy that even without the C, I think we saw in those you know interviews at the end of the year was still in a lot of ways, the alpha and, you know, as I said, it looked one way on the ice, but I'm not sure it was that different in the, um, in the room. And as far as Mark Shifley goes, I mean, for a long time, especially when, I mean, Patrick Liney sort of got squeezed out and they ended up making that move. This was the team. It was Blake Wheeler and it was Mark Shifley. And I think everyone agrees that a fresh start would be a uh, good and listen, Shifley just scored 42 goals. Mm-hmm. And you know, a team that gets them will have the opportunity to extend them, or maybe they'll even let them talk beforehand. So, I mean, he certainly is an asset, but though that needs to happen from a team perspective, I think they're sort of being forced into the other side. I mean, you can't you can't trade Patrick Liney for Pierre Luc Dubois and have him play this year and then leave for nothing. I mean, that would be that would be an absolute disaster. We've heard enough about Dubois potentially going to Montreal. I mean, I think it is incumbent on Cheveldayoff to find the best deal now that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets and turn that around. And I think for both Shifley and for Dubois, the best deal for Winnipeg is not one, not a one-for-one deal where you're getting a player back. It's probably looking at younger players under team control that have the potential to turn into those players in a year or two. Um, and I know they haven't said they're not looking to rebuild. I mean, I guess it depends on what you did what your definition of that that is. They're certainly not going to go scorched earth and essentially go the way of the Blackhawks or the Coyotes the last few years. But I think it will look a lot different. But, I mean, the one guy that not only will likely, likely have some sort of a bidding war for his services if he's on the move is Connor Hellebuck. And mm-hmm. I am of the opinion that he is the Jets franchise player. I personally would have no issue if they you know gave him a Carey price size check and said, you're our guy for the next eight years. I'm not sure that he is actually there right now because he said it pretty clearly. His number one focus, he knows he's going to get paid. It's about being on a team that he feels has the chance to win the Stanley cup. And I was in the room when the players, um, you know, met the media on our garbage bag day here in Winnipeg. And even as a huge Hellebuck guy, I couldn't help, but kind of feel like there, there was an element of finality to what he had to say knowing the situation. So, listen, would they love to keep Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois? I think the answer is yes. I don't think that's possible, though. And if that's the case, you're talking about, you know, uh, turning over your top two centers and a guy that's been nominated for the Vesna three times in the last six years. But at the same time, it's sort of exciting from a fan's perspective because, let's face it, the team will look different and it might change the window of where the club is. But... All three of those players, I think, will have significant value around the National Hockey League. And I'll say one thing about Kevin Chevalier. People criticize him for a lot. When he's been forced into making deals like this, I think you go through his record, and he's done a very, very good job of maximizing the value under not the best circumstances. Um, and he may have to do that as well this summer. Yeah, there's obviously some similarities, some common themes between the Leafs and the Jets here where it's pretty obvious in both cities that something needs to be done. The The status quo cannot continue. 
And I'm of the opinion, like, and again, this is uh, me from however many kilometers away, but Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, Cole Perfetti, and obviously some maybe some other prospects. Those are your untouchables. I I would be open to talking about Connor Hollebuck, obviously Shifley, Wheeler, uh, even Ehlers. Um, just because I'm looking at the ages and I'm going, well, when when's the window to win? If like if you're gonna do, re- do a retool, I mean it does happen, like we're seeing with Florida uh, overnight in a lot of ways. But I feel like the hit rate is a little lower. I think when you retool, you're committing to at least two years to to get your act together and get back to respectability or or cup contention, whatever your your goal is there. And that's not to say, hey, get everyone out and, and, you know, sell them for pennies on the dollar. But I think listening on Hullabuck, Shifley, like I said, Ehlers, um, anyone else but but the three guys I mentioned, I think is it would be smart. And I think, you know, Hullabuck is, uh, as you mentioned, Andrew, like a part of you goes give him the, the carry price treatment, um, which I get. But the guy's 29. I think it's reasonable to suggest he's got – two or three good years left in him. I mean, it's hard to say with goalies, right? It's just so difficult, but he's I think... a horse. The one thing, I mean, he is a horse. He plays yeah. night in night out. He never gets hurt. He, I guess I said, I feel more confident about giving Hellebuck an eight year deal that starts when he's 31 than Mark Shifley, for instance. Yeah. Um, but again, he's a special player, but it's a huge, huge risk as well. Mm-hmm. And I think considering the other things that the Winnipeg Jets are dealing with right now, they have to think long and hard about that, especially if he says, I'm not sure that this is the place that I want to sign an extension, uh, which if that's the case, then you pretty much know what you have to do. And that's, I think, why we're hearing so much scuttlebutt and buzz about Hellebuck being atop of anybody's trade board right now. Yeah, I mean, and if we'd spin it towards Shifley and Wheeler, I mean, you're not going to get much for Wheeler, right, with that price tag. And oh, you're going to probably I, have to, you know, take a, something. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, but but I feel like he might almost be priority number one as far as uh, guys to move, just based on the scuttlebutt around the room and you know taking his captaincy. Like, there's a lot of smoke there as far as uh, him maybe being the catalyst for these problems. Um, and then Shifley, like you mentioned, 42 goals. Uh, he's got he's got high value right now and. It sucks to trade a number one center. It's it's difficult to do that and feel good about what you got in return because you're probably getting multiple pieces, right? I suppose you could do a one-for-one, one, but that's quite difficult. Um, I see some problems on the back end, though, so I don't know. Um, it's, it's tough because it is one of those things where it's easier said than done, right? It's like, okay, trade these four players and see what you got. <laughs> but we're not in the GM's chair, and especially in the Dubois case, whether it was his intention or not, Dubois has uh, uh, kind of given Winnipeg less leverage than they should have with a, a pretty high-quality player who's still under team control for one year. Um, yeah. the fact I that mean, it wouldn't be the first time. That's exactly what happened with Jacob True. He basically said yeah. the only team he signed an extension was the New York Rangers, and, well, he went to the New York Rangers. Yeah. Dream scenario, though, is Dubois getting traded to Boston to fill the role of a Patrice Bergeron there, loving it, signing an extension, and then haunting the Montreal Canadiens for the next eight <laughs> years. John, listen, we got to go, man. Great chat as always. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the final four. We'll catch up maybe heading into the draft for more from around the league. Keep up the great work over at the score. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And you gave me lots to think about with the Jets. I mean, 
I'm glad I threw that to you at one point because oh. I feel like it's a it's a whole like tangled knot right now there in Jets land and and there's just so many layers to it. But I don't know exactly which which domino falls first, right? I guess compared to the Leafs, at least the the stability is there from the GM's perspective. Like you're not guessing on that. Whereas if you're a Leafs fan, you're going, well, is Dubas even coming back? And then what happens from there? Because hey, July 1st is coming up. The draft is coming up. This these are both really tight windows here, so should be fun. You got it. Thanks for your time, John, as always. See ya. There's that John Mattis. You can check out his work as the elite NHL columnist over at The Score. Um, Mike McIntyre on deck. He's going to join us right away. Hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's best selection of local products, too, head on over to Vita Health Fresh Market. Barbecue season's here. Vita Health has amazing Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks for you. And if you need to help that digest that red meat, check out that Health, uh, health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes, which will help you break down proteins, carbs, fats, lactose, and reduce digestive discomfort. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, if you have fencing or overhead door needs, only one place to call, and that's Wallace & Wallace, the specialist for fencing and overhead doors since 1946 in Winnipeg. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got it all vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as the Clopay dealer in Manitoba. 204-452-2700 is the number. Give them a call. They'll arrange the time to come out and give you a free estimate. You could also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking heading into spring and summer, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game, you need to head down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties if you guys need new suits. If you've got a 2023 high school grad, he'll come up with a free shirt and tie from F Apparel with the purchase of any new suits. F Apparel again is at 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And with this gorgeous weather this week heading into the May long weekend, uh, it feels like summer, and summer means a trip to Nick and Nicky DQ. All the great summer blizzard flavors are in. You've got the great ice cream treats, milkshakes, dilly bars, buster bars. It's all there waiting for you. Pop down and see them at one of four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And if you do need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, let's get to Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press who joined us now. Mike, what's going on? You enjoying this weather or what? Oh, I sure am. Uh, although I, I'm not going to make the mistake I made last week, Huss, and take it outside where my phone uh, quickly overheated and uh, and took me temporarily off the airwaves. So I'm in the I'm in the nice, cool living room here and got a couple of snoozing dogs around me who seem to be stirring so we might get a maybe a cameo from piper and or Bodie during uh, our chat today good stuff well they're always welcome on wst listen we'll get to the jets off season in a minute but um first off big game for the ice tonight um yeah. 
great scene uh, downtown. I really enjoyed the games. Was really impressed with both teams. Uh, I thought that the ice maybe were a little fortunate to hang on the way they did in game number one. And you knew there'd be a pushback from a stacked team like Seattle. Uh, we've got a heck of a series, but a big opportunity tonight, I think, for the ice to, you know, get that road win back and assure themselves of no worse than coming back to Winnipeg to play at home again. Yeah, and it'll be great. Uh, Dan Robertson on the call for oh, yeah. uh, the remainder of the series. So that'll be uh, that'll be nice. Uh, yeah, they were they were two really entertaining games. Like, I mean, these are two powerhouse teams, and my goodness, Zach Benson, someone's going to get a good one in Zach Benson uh, in this summer's draft next month. I'm curious to see where he goes. I know there's a lot of uh, mock drafts out there that have him going, you know, as low as maybe six or seven, and some have him slipping into the teens. I don't imagine us. He's still going to be available when uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff and company uh, get up there to, to uh, announce their yeah, pick. Yeah, that's a no chance, at least with the 18th pick in the draft. For sure. Um, you know, and the question, I guess, about Benson is his size. Uh, but my goodness, he, uh, at least playing at this level, he, he doesn't get hit very much. He's he's all over the ice, and he's a lot of fun. He's worth the price of admission. And Big Bad Brad, uh, I thought, you know, kind of a quiet game uh, he was better in the third period there in game one, I, just like his team. They kind of came alive in the third, uh, but he was all over the ice in game two. And uh, it was interesting being up in the press box. Um, there was a lot of Jets personnel who were watching on uh, the weekend as well. Mark Chipman was there, Kevin Sheveldayoff, um, Mark Morrison, the uh, the Moose coach, Jimmy Roy, director of player development. And I suspect that they all were very happy with what they saw from their uh, their first rounder from last year, the 30th overall pick. Brad Lambert was uh, was dynamic. It was actually funny, Huss, to, to hear the crowd at Canada Life Centre booing Brad Lambert. Uh, he took that charging penalty early in the game, uh, showed a little bit of a nasty streak, which uh, I suspect the Jets don't mind at all. And then, of course, he scores the two big goals and the crowd's booing. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that the crowd was was coming unglued for Brad Lambert during Jets training camp in the preseason. And I suspect they'll be back to cheering him in relative short order. But, uh, yeah, fun series. And after two games, it kind of confirmed what I thought, which was probably this wasn't going to be a, a quick series for either team. And I really think it's going to come back here on the weekend, Huss, for sure, for a game six. Uh, I don't think either team is winning all three this week in Seattle. So uh, there's a good chance we'll get a little bonus uh, playoff action uh, over the long weekend, uh, Sunday and maybe even Monday night, which would be a lot of fun as well. A heck of a time if you're uh, following junior hockey here in Manitoba because we had the first two games of the Western Hockey League Championship Series. Of course, the games are on TV from out west. And the Centennial Cup has been awesome out in Portage as well with two Manitoba teams going at it and, uh, you know, looking like they both have opportunities right now heading into the final game to be playing in the playoffs. But it is tight. And the the possibilities of the Centennial Cup, teams could finish as high as first or be out. So, um, uh, listen, it's a good time right now. But, of course, we'll be paying attention to see what the ice can pull off tonight in Game 3 What's that? I think a nine o'clock start um, with out on the West Coast, and uh, I know lots of talk about late starts lately. That one, at least, is 
seven o'clock local time. That's Makes what happens sense, when yeah. you play a team on the uh, on the West Coast. Um, Mike, let's get to the Jets, though. I mean, uh, we're enjoying this junior hockey. Would have been great to have the Jets still playing right now. We know that ended a couple weeks ago, and now it seems like you know the league for the most part is into full off-season mode, minus four cities that are still challenging for the Stanley Cup. We saw that list from the Athletic yesterday. Russo and Dehatchik with uh, four Jets of the top eight players on their trade bait board. Has that ever happened? Ever? Has I, one team ever had that many guys? I, I suspect not. It, no. I, I think we can safely say highly unlikely. Um, yeah. It's a 32-team league, and one team has 50% of the top eight names on the board. But it starts with Connor Hellebuck. So let's start with Hellebuck. What do you... What do you make of the situation right now with Hellebach? We've talked about what we heard from him at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you put much of a number on a chance that the Jets find a way to extend Connor Hellebach, or are you expecting what I think most people around the league expect to be somewhat of a bidding war if, he- if Connor Hellebach's services are available to the highest bidder through via trade? Well, I wonder, Huss, I mean, I, I have no doubt that the Jets would love to sign Connor Hellebuck long-term, that that probably coming out of this season was the, you know, a, a main priority. I don't know whether Connor Hellebuck is willing to sign long-term, but I do wonder this. Have recent events, including how these playoffs have played out, would that potentially change Kevin Sheveldayoff and the organization's line of thinking because of what you just outlined, a potential bidding war? Could the return for Connor Hellebuck be greater than what maybe anybody could have initially imagined because there may be so many teams that decide Connor Hellebuck is the final piece we need to get us over the hump? And I'm talking now particularly about teams that just got eliminated, the Edmonton Oilers. What was their undoing again? Defense, and I would say to a bigger extent, goaltending. They are they just wasted another year of, of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl's prime, and it came down to goaltending. They Stuart Skinner got pulled four times, which is insane. Um, there's a lot of chatter in Edmonton that a Connor Hellebuck could be their last ingredient to you know winning a Stanley Cup and time is starting to tick in Edmonton right uh dry settles the UFA I think in two years McDavid in three Toronto um again goaltending seems to always be a question with the Maple Leafs and so you know there's increasing chatter and pressure and you have Kyle Dubas coming out yesterday not pouring any cold water on the notion of a blockbuster deal if it meant, you know, helping his team. And that's where I look at a team like Florida Haas and other NHL teams. We know it's a copycat league. Florida wasn't afraid to make a huge, you know, seismic trade last year, uh, shipping out two dynamic players, but getting one back and look where they are now. And I think you could argue Matthew Kachuk's been a huge reason that the Panthers are where they are. So, you know, and then you got teams like Buffalo, New Jersey, another team that just got knocked out and, and clearly had goaltending issues, but have so many really solid pieces in place. I mean, you could go down the list, and I just wonder if you're Kevin Shoveldayoff, 
don't you at the very least, even if Connor Hellebuck was willing to sign here, don't you have to at least entertain the notion of, well, what could we get for him? And how quickly could that maybe lead us somewhere that, you know, ultimately where we want to go? Like if you're talking multiple pieces that you feel could step in and immediately help your lineup, I, I think if you're Sheveld off, it would be malpractice not to listen. So like what could like I mean you you bring up two teams that absolutely need goaltending, but I, I mean I guess it's a bigger question is if you're trading Connor Hellebuck, what are you what what is the best case scenario for you getting back like things to immediately help the lineup? I, I mean you're not getting McDavid, you're not getting Drysaddle. They've traded their first round pick already. I mean like when I look at Toronto and I look at Edmonton. I don't really see a fit very much for a potential tr- Connor Hellebuck trade because I'm not sure those teams have the assets that make sense for what Winnipeg will be asking for in return. And a team like Buffalo is really interesting to me. Um, Buffalo know, and Jersey, to me, I mean, are the teams for sure that- because they've got they've got the young pieces in play and they've got some really good young players. Whether it's Jesper Bratt or Dawson Mercer. Um, you know, even uh, Schmid, the goaltender that, you know, had a really good rookie season and faltered a bit in the playoffs. You look at Buffalo, they've got um, uh, Levy, the, the goaltender, like the young and uh, who, who looks like a guy that, you know, could be a future number one. They've got obviously Matt Savoy is, is a draft pick of theirs. Um, you know, so there's some pieces. You're right. That's where, though, if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff and the Jets, you're hoping the more teams that are and the more desperation to get a Connor Hellebuck, you play them off each other, right? That's what a good GM would do. And suddenly you're getting an absolute ransom back that maybe you wouldn't have got if there was only one or two teams in the bidding. If you've got five or six teams that are really serious, that think this is the guy that can take them to the promised land, you're now in a position of power. And I, I think if you're the Jets, you know, it's worth listening to because let's face it, uh, Connor Hellebuck, and he's going to be worth every penny, but he's going to get a significant contract, um, probably making him the richest goalie in the NHL or top three anyways. You're probably looking at something in the neighborhood of $10 million a season, and it's probably going to be the seven or eight-year deal. So now you're taking him well into his late 30s. If you can get pieces back including a goaltending prospect that is seen as a real significant you know prospect now you're not looking at a full-blown you know blow it up and start from scratch um so that's where i think you know some of these very interesting playoff developments uh, i wonder how much they've altered the the thinking right now uh, among the jets brain trust and i gotta think for the reasons that you just mentioned you know four guys on that trade list like Kevin Chevalier's phone, if it's not already, it's going to be ringing off the hook here in the coming days. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, just as far as Hellebuck goes, and I mean, listen, I will basically say the same thing about Dubois, about Shifley. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets can say all they want about, well, you know what, we want to be competitive, we want to make the playoffs and all that. I mean, if you're trading players of that stature <clears throat> at this point, knowing that, we're here in Winnipeg. I mean, you're not tra- you're not trading Shifley for Elias Lindholm one for one for another guy that's got a contract expiring at right. the end of the year. 
the, the, the timing of these deals and the team control to me is the most important thing. And you do, there is an inherent risk involved, Mike, with, you know, trading a star player for two or three assets. You know, one might be a pick, a couple might be some younger players that come in. I mean, and it really does rely on your scouting services and your belief of the ability of these players to turn into something, you know, in a year or two, plus given some legitimate opportunity. Um, but the minute Connor Hellebuck gets traded, I mean, let's face it, uh, there's not anyone, you can have the best goaltending prospect in all of hockey. What are the chances he wins a Vesna trophy? I mean, not great. So, I mean, to me, there's a lot that goes into that Hellebuck trade. And if the Hellebuck trade happens, I think it affects a number of other things on the to-do list for the GM. For sure. And, and uh, you know, you're also potentially clearing up a ton of cap space um, if you're moving Connor Hellebuck, money that would be obviously allocated, That if especially if you're getting younger picks or prospects back, uh, they're not immediately filling that that salary void. Yeah. So you, you've got options, um, whether it's by trade or free agent. And the other thing, Huss, I mean, you look around the landscape of the NHL and I know we sometimes want to try and draw conclusions on different themes or trends that we're seeing, but is it noteworthy to you? It is to me that of the workhorse goaltenders in the NHL, very few of them, Really, none of them, I guess Jake Ottinger would would fall into that category as sort of a bonafide number one. But we're seeing more of a trend towards a job share and a more even distribution. And and because of, you know, the, the load that it puts on a number one, guys that are playing 55, 60, 65 games, they tend to fizzle out when, when it gets to playoff time. And you look at Boston, right? Just set a record for for points in a season. I know Linus Allmark's going to probably win the Vesna in, in a runaway, but he, his numbers, I mean, he, he only played whatever, 45 games because Swayman got a ton as well. What I'm saying is, you know, having that stud number one, it's great, but it's not an automatic that you're going to win a cup. And in fact, we're seeing examples of teams that maybe don't have a clear cut number one that have two, sort of really good 1B type goaltenders who can take the load off each other. And and when one gets hot, you run with them a little bit. So that's not to say that if the Jets were to trade Connor Hellebuck, that, you know, pack it in for the next four or five years, that they've got no chance. I think there's a lot of options potentially available to them as to how they could you know go about managing the, the, the workload and the crease. And again, much would depend on what they're getting back whether a goaltender is part of that or if they now have to go out and find one themselves. Uh, but it does add some some intrigue, if you will. And, and one last point on Hellebuck. You know, if you're trading Connor Hellebuck, obviously you'd like to trade him to a team that he he's interested in signing long-term with because, you know, again, it goes back to what the, what, what the return is. If a team is getting Connor Hellebuck, with the idea that he's just going to be a one-year rental and then they're going to let him walk next summer because he will have no interest in signing with them. Obviously, that impacts what the Jets would get back versus a team that is getting Connor Hellebuck, not just for next season, but for maybe seven more after that. Uh, and so that's a, a big part of a potential trade that 
one would have to consider. Well, no doubt about it. A couple of things. I mean, the reason why a lot of these teams are going with 1A and 1Bs is because they don't have Connor Hellebuck and they don't have Jake Ottinger. And I don't think there's many teams that wouldn't rather have a sure thing horse that you know what you're getting from every single night because, um, you know what they say, when you've got two, you don't have one. And, um, I mean, that has sort of been the case. And certainly Edmonton, Sure wishes they had a guy like that right now because, I mean, they didn't really know who they could trust. Vegas, almost the same thing. Aiden Hill's been a great story, but, I mean, they've run it around. The bottom line is it's incumbent on the teams, and I'll put Vegas in that category. I will put the Carolina Hurricanes in that category to play a certain way where they do so much to help their goalies. They make their goalies better than if they were put in another situation with the team that maybe isn't as uh, defensively responsible and committed to playing, uh, to playing that team game. But as you mentioned, you know, with the possibility, and I'm the same way with you. I mean, I think that they, if they do go down the road of, you know, seriously engaging in Hellebuck trade talks, obviously they'll be speaking with Ray Petcal, Hellebuck's uh, agent beforehand, and they'll have some understanding over some of the places that might be attractive to him. Um, and I think, you know, it's almost incumbent on, you know, the Winnipeg Jets probably allowing the representation of Hellebuck to talk about a potential extension, whether it's the Kings or the Devils or the Sabres or whoever is in on the trade. Uh, and, and Mike, I don't know about you, but I think that probably is the best case scenario for them involving the two centers that are likely on the move in Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois as well. Well, it is, and especially a guy like Dubois, where I think there's a belief that he's got his heart set on just one team and one team only. Um, and and if that's not the case, obviously it would benefit a potential trade suitor to know that um, for sure. I mean, if you're the Jets and these players through their agents have indicated that they, they're not going to sign here long term, you've got nothing to lose now by allowing them to have those conversations with other teams. And in fact, you've got everything to gain by it. Uh, so for sure, that would just be, you know, good, smart business. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I did a poll uh, on my Twitter account yesterday, Huss, where I asked um, folks of the four, Hellebuck, Dubois, Shifley, and I threw Blake Wheeler in there, um, how many do you think? How many of those players of those four will be back? Uh, will be on the opening night roster, and the majority think it's going to be somewhere between zero, one, or two. Um, so it's clear that the and, and there's a few thousand folks have voted on the poll. So there certainly seems to be uh, there's smoke for sure, and a lot of fans clearly think there's some fire. Well, let me put that question to you. I mean. Uh... I mean, there's no in and or but. You got to pick one of those numbers: zero, one, two, three, or four. What are you taking? I'd go with one. I mean, I think I think there's a chance that one of the two centers is back in Shifley or Dubois. Uh, I think Shifley just to be traded at the deadline. Yeah, or or I mean, I I'm not totally ruling out that if one were gone, the other might entertain the idea of. Of signing long term, I, I I don't know that that's the case. It's just a feeling that I have that if if Mark Shifley were out of the picture, does that clear a path for Pierre Luc Dubois, who knows his role now with this franchise? Like, would he be would he be open to something long term, and vice versa? If Mark Shifley, 
no longer sees Pierre-Luc Dubois in the picture. Does that change his thinking at all? Well, I, I'm not sure that it matters for Shifley. I, I, I'll just say this right now. I don't think the Jets are interested in paying the price of what it would take to do yeah. to extend Mark Shifley. And to be honest, I think it would be a terrible move for the team if they did. They need to move on. And that is why we're seeing there's four players right now. Two, I think they know they need to move on. And two, I think they're being forced to move on. And Hellebuck and Dubois, of course, are in the latter. Yeah, and I mean, I, I honestly think Blake Wheeler's played his last game. I, I felt that at the at the season-ending interviews. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the way he spoke sounded like a guy who uh, who probably knows that his time here is is done. And, um, you know, I think for the reasons we've just outlined, I really do think Connor Hellebuck is probably going to be playing somewhere else. Uh, but I think the Jets could come out of that. And, and, you know, not to say that they're going to instantly be as good or better, but I think it could set them up um, for, you know, to, to quickly get that window of contention, of, of opportunity back open. And really all of these deals, Wheeler, not so much, but, you know, Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, like that's why this is such a critical offseason. There is a chance here to do something that, a lot of teams probably would love to have the opportunity to do what the Jets have the chance to do here, which is quickly hit the reset button, but you know, do so in a way that you're not looking at a a years and years long, you know, excruciating path back to relevancy that you can get there in in fairly short order because of the value that those pieces you're moving out carry. But yeah, I mean, I would say one and and I, I, if I had to choose, uh, if I wanted to go two or zero, I'd lean more towards zero that they're all gone, but I'll say one. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that, uh, I agree with you that, that Shifley, uh, it's probably best for all parties that, that you move on. Um, but Dubois, I still leave open with the idea that if, if he had the path wide open to be the number one center here for the foreseeable future, Maybe he gets a letter. Um, I, I just wonder if that might not be appealing to Pierre-Luc Dubois, but obviously there's a lot of chatter about uh, uh, his desire to go elsewhere. We'll see how that comes to fruition. Um, what are you... Uh, speaking of the centers, and and I mean, listen, as much as I think the Jets realize that they need to move on from Mark... Um, the guys' numbers speak for themselves, and those carry a lot of weight in the National Hockey League. And, you know, even if he doesn't have the best reputation of a player, I think that there's enough good teams that realize, like, I don't think Mark Scheifele's ever going to be a leader that's going to take a team and be the guy. But right. I'll tell you what, with the toolbox that he brings, you put him on a team that's already stacked, that has a good culture, that he sort of has to fit in and be one of those guys and, and really does become a part of it. I mean, it could be a huge, huge addition. Dubois, to me, is different in that, you know, you see glimpses of a player that can be such a problem in both ends. Um, and I really think that there's a huge value of both of those players. Obviously, they've got their knocks on, on them, but who brings back more? And is the ask, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, relatively similar for either of those players, considering you know, where they're at in their careers and the fact that, you know, you've got one more year of control and sort of need to make this move if you know that they're not coming back. Yeah, it's a great question. Who who, uh, who would bring back more? I mean, one, you know, Shifley's the proven kind of point 
per game guy, but he's obviously uh, the older player. And, you know, he's the one that probably carries more question marks over how the last few years have played out and which Mark Shifley you're getting. It's Isn't it interesting, Huss, that so many of the same criticisms that we've heard about guys like Shifley and Dubois, you're hearing now in other Canadian markets about their core. Like in Toronto, a lot of the same questions about Mitch Marner and William Nylander and Austin Matthews and even John Tavares are being asked about, you know, why do these guys disappear when the games get biggest? And, why, you know, why, why aren't they more noticeable? Why aren't they more engaged? Where's the anger after another lost season? Um you know, part of it, of course, comes with being in a Canadian market, uh, a hockey craze market, where, uh, you know, you're naturally going to have that big spot. Yeah, when you don't show up, people notice. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, look, I think, like you point out, Dubois got so many intangibles that makes him such a, like, he can be, when he's on, he can be the kind of player that is rare to see uh, in the NHL, like that pure power forward. I'm not I'm not comparing him to Leon Dreisaitl, but a guy like Dreisaitl has got the huge body and can just kind of take over a game physically and, you know, and, and draw your team into the battle. We don't really see that from Mark Shifley. So I have to think just based on the upside alone, like Mark Shifley, he is what he is. Um I think the upside of Pierre-Luc Dubois potentially would make him the bigger return. The the youth obviously is a big factor. Um, so, you know, I, I it'll be fun to, to compare, obviously, if both those guys do get traded and who ultimately brought back the bigger return. I, the other uh, variable, of course, is is which guy is willing to sign. And, and I mean, if, if all things are equal and both guys were to sign with the teams they got traded to, then I'm going to say that Pierre-Luc Dubois probably brings back the bigger haul. Um, but it, it's close. And I got to think if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff, again, you're asking, you're setting the, the price as high as humanly possible and then working from there. And again, you're hoping that you create the kind of bidding war that you might have in Connor Hellebuck to just drive that price even higher. And that's where I suppose Mark Shifley I would think would would maybe have more potential suitors versus Pierre-Luc Dubois. And a, par, a big part of that is because of the belief that Pierre-Luc Dubois has got his heart set on one team. We've never heard that about Mark Shifley, you know, where he says, I'm only going to go play for the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so that's where, you know, we don't know the answer to that, but that's where these next few weeks are going to be very interesting to see how they play out. Yeah, well, I mean, with Shifley, I mean, I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. Um, now, listen, if he's traded to a spot where they give him a, an offer to extend him right away, that's a decision that obviously he'll make. He, with his new representation, will make, and um, yeah. you know they can figure that out. If it doesn't happen, and they see, and I could absolutely see a team, considering you know what we've seen from Mark before, saying, you know what, let's just see how this works out. We don't sure. need to. We don't need to. Like, if things go well. We'll definitely make an offer and we'll try and keep you and go from there. When it comes down to the contract, I mean, you know, he will be 31 years old. And I think there'll be a big decision for him whether to max out on the dollars 
and go to probably a less competitive team that is more desperate for a player of his ilk to come in and get paid more? Or, like a Taylor Hall did, take less money than he could get probably in a lot of other spots to be on a team where he's not the guy but he's got a better chance to win. And that'll be fascinating to see how that uh, how that all plays out. The Dubois part, though, I mean, I think that he goes to a team. And, and I'm still thinking, I mean, if he is going to be traded, Mike, and I know there's all the talk about Montreal, I do think there's pressure on Montreal to make an offer that makes sense for Winnipeg and get that deal done. Because as I've mentioned to a number of guests before, I mean, how beautiful would it be if Montreal, thinking that they've got all the cards, sits back, and all of a sudden, Pierre-Luc Dubois gets traded to, for instance, the Boston Bruins. Realizes this is a great organization, a great team, following in the footsteps of another French superstar from Quebec and Patrice Bergeron. Signs an eight-year deal and ends up haunting Montreal or being a thorn in their ass for the next eight years. I mean, there is some risk involved, especially with a guy like Dubois, who, to be honest, I don't even know... Uh, you know, we've heard different things from him all the time. I mean, I think he is... I don't want to call him a flake, but I mean a little flaky, if you will, you know, going back and forth as to where his head is at. And um, listen, he's a guy that can absolutely make a difference. You know that there's going to be some teams that would be very interested. In, and if I'm the Kings or if I'm the Bruins and I think we can get this guy in here and I think we'll have a pretty good chance of signing him, that's a big risk for Montreal to do. And, and that's why, to me, this next four to five weeks – Heading into the draft, when Montreal has two picks in the first round, I doubt they'll move their five, but they do have Florida's pick. Um, will be very interesting to see if they do what needs to be done to get Dubois there, because if they don't, someone else is going to have a full year in all likelihood of Pierre-Luc Dubois to convince him that this is a much better spot for him and his playing career going forward, even if the Jets weren't able to do that here in Winnipeg. Well, and I'll throw, you mentioned L.A. and Boston. I'll throw the Colorado Avalanche into the list of potential teams. You know, really solid foundations in place. Obviously proven winner in the Avalanche um, as a team that, you know, might be looking for an upgrade at center. And should he go there, might quickly find that uh, it's a great fit and one that he doesn't want to leave. Look, I'm always skeptical. Um I, I don't want to crap all over the the Montreal media here, Haas, but let's be a little careful sometimes about drawing conclusions based on what are ultimately just rumors coming out of La Belle Provence uh, when it comes to Pierre Luc Dubois. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of hypothetical masquerading as journalism, and case in point, there's all kinds of stories the other day about Montreal, would they move the fifth overall pick to the Jets for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Um, How fast does Kevin Chevaldeau say yes if exactly, that's the call from Jeff Exactly. Gordon? You you would take that uh, 100 times out of 100, and you couldn't say uh, yes quick enough. That's, you know, my point being, I don't think Montreal would – I mean, if they did move that fifth pick, that um, that would be that would be quite the move. I'll say this, though. You know what? If they did, if you're just trading a pick and you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, look at that center position on their team next year. Suzuki, Dubois, Kirby Doc, and Dvorak, if he's still on your team, potentially your fourth-line center. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. And at that point, they're actually a playoff team. They're probably contending to be a playoff team. And I think there is an appetite in Montreal to 
kind of step out of the basement of the Eastern Conference and be more competitive next year. That being said, I think they'd be nuts to offer the fifth-round pick for a guy, uh, even if they know that they can sign him long-term. Well, and they're also, I mean, if you're Montreal, you got to take stock of what division you're playing in and who your competition is, right? Like, so you make an ad like that, but are you are you better than Boston? Are you better than Toronto? Are you better than Tampa? Oh, hey, what's Boston going to look like next year? Well, that's true, and that that's why I I would think Tampa's Boston- on the way down. I mean, I to be honest, to answer that question, I think that a guy like Dubois, if you're adding him for just a pick, not taking anything off your right, roster. Yeah. I think you could make a legitimate argument that the Montreal Canadiens all of a sudden are maybe not a Stanley Cup favorite or anything like that, but absolutely a playoff team. And I guess we'll find out how much the appetite to move this thing along is or to play the long game with some of the picks and prospects that they've had. Mike, listen, just before we go, and I have a feeling these are the way these conversations are going to go until something happens. We're going to talk about Hellebuck. We're going to talk about the centers. And we're going to find out if they've got a taker for Blake Wheeler. But the defense has been a conversation for the last two years since uh, Dylan and Nate Schmidt showed up. You've got Vili Hainala. You've got Brent Declan Chisholm. You've got a situation with Logan Stanley. How does all that get settled in your mind? And does that happen pre-draft? And is a potentially a Hanela or a Stanley maybe gone as well as a, someone that was a regular on the club last year? Yeah, what you don't have anymore is a Leon Gavanke because he's now taken that uh, out of the mix by, by signing in Germany. And if you're the Jets, you have to be concerned about what's happening with your blue line prospects. You've now lost Gavanke, who's decided clearly – he doesn't see any future here, so he's he's gone. A guy that just uh, set the franchise record for for goals by a defenseman. Maybe he never would have been an NHL caliber defenseman. Now we're not going to get to find out. But a guy you drafted and developed, he's gone for nothing. Uh, Johnny Kovacevic, a guy you drafted and developed, gone for nothing. And the concern, of course, is that you risk as early as next year, Declan Chisholm, Vili Hainala, you, you can't risk losing those guys for nothing. And there is a log jam on the blue line, a very expensive log jam. So while it's, it's certainly being overshadowed by talk of the so-called core four, uh, I think the blue line is every bit as important as to what this team looks like going forward. And so I would be stunned, Huss, if there isn't some movement one way or the other, uh, either whether it's a young prospect like a Hanola or a Chisholm or a proven guy like a Schmidt or a Pionk uh, that, that's, that isn't moved. I would think that that has to be a top priority for Kevin Cheveldayoff, and I would expect that it's going to happen likely either before or at the draft. I'll be interested to see if, you know, one of those players is almost included as part right. of one of these bigger deals. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of moving pieces around Kevin Cheveldayoff's wall right now. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. You're going to be at the ball game on Friday night? That's the plan. Yes, indeed. And uh, and then I'll be uh, back at Canada Life Center, hopefully for a game six or seven, if there is one. Uh, looking forward to that. Could be a great sports weekend here in town. No doubt about it. Well, we'll see you at the ball game for sure. Yeah. And uh, fingers crossed, we'll uh, see the ice and Thunderbirds back here for game six and seven at Canada Life Center. Thanks for doing this, Mike. You bet, Haas. Enjoy the week. You too. There's Mike McIntyre. Uh, of course, the one thing we didn't hit with Mike, which we spent quite a bit of time on yesterday, was Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp. 
check out yesterday's episode with Jeff Hamilton, and uh, we'll bring on Teddy and some of the other guys covering the blue and gold as that uh, training camp continues. Although I think this might be a little bit of a uh, less exciting training camp for the Bombers just because um, it's like, when does the season start? Because we pretty much know the club that is going to be out there for Mike O'Shea. Of course, all of our Bomber reports when we do them on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold, and the host of the Princess Auto tailgate party before each and every Winnipeg Blue Bombers game. Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is it Princess Auto? Visit them on Panit Road or Portage Avenue West at one of their two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Oh, things are getting green, folks. The uh, leaves are blooming, grass is getting greener, but if you have irrigation needs or issues, you need to get on down to Consolidated Supply. Talk to Joe and the gang about what they can do to help you make your property as lush and beautiful as the golf courses they work on. They've also got artificial turf if you need that. And, of course, is the club car dealer in Manitoba. Great deals on both new and used golf carts, not to mention great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options and, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them. Consolidated Supply at their new showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. What a tent sale at Royal Sports on the weekend. Uh, thousands of Winnipeggers going on to pick up thousands of pairs of shoes and merchandise, all at incredible deals, mostly 50% off or more. Of course, keep your eyes out all summer long for Royal Tent Sales, but right now with spring officially here, get on down there for the best selection of licensed merchandise anywhere and spring stock arriving daily with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, of course, the biggest hockey section in town, and a huge selection of bikes as well. Got to see it to believe it. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, no NHL hockey tonight, but we do have the WHL final. Might be a great night to gather the gang and head on down to your local Boston pizza. Number best place to get together with friends for the big game is always your local BP. Check out the new Fanalytics menu. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas. And if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we've talked a lot of hockey today. Uh, but I am, well, I was just mentioning to Mike, can't wait for fish opening night on Friday with fireworks and seeing the new team and having gorgeous weather planned for the weekend. But the following Saturday, Pro Hoops returns to Winnipeg. And uh, a little earlier today, we had a chance to catch up with and to feel the energy of the new bench boss for the Winnipeg Seabears. Let's welcome in for the first time the head coach and GM, Mike Taylor, getting us ready for basketball season this summer here in Winnipeg. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Andrew. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, really excited to get things started uh, this summer and really excited to talk some Seabears basketball with you guys this morning. Yeah, I mean, it's just about go time for the squad. I see the training camp roster's all set. You got your coaching staff and... Oh, it's about time to get to work. Uh, but, you know, just I, I think we'd be remiss without talking a little bit about you first off. Uh, you are a new name to a lot of people in this community, as the uh, in the sporting community. Mike, uh, I'm just looking at your experience. I mean, former coach in the CBL, 
Polish national team. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, the basketball path that brought you here to the peg. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up the son of a coach. Basketball was important in our family. My dad, you know, was an assistant for Bob Knight at West Point, um, was with the Knicks for a short time, uh, was good friends with Willis Reed, and Willis took him to Creighton in Omaha, and then he became a Division II head coach in Pennsylvania. So I grew up around the game. Uh, great family relationship with basketball. Um, always wanted to be a coach like my dad. Um, and, you know, my career has taken me, uh, in the beginning as a college assistant, but mostly in Europe. Uh, so I've built up, you know, three different teams, uh, help teams, you know, let's say, uh, the promotion and relegation systems overseas, uh, promoted three teams, coached, uh, for 11 years in Germany, um, six in the Bundesliga, the top league there, four years as an assistant coach for the Czech Republic national team, and then eight years as the head coach at a Polish national team. Probably our biggest success was the 2019 World Cup where we finished eighth, uh, had some big upset wins over host China and things like this, some memorable moments. Um, so great experiences there. Was also the head coach at a main Celtics in the D-League for two years, an assistant coach in RGV for one. Um, and then obviously last year out in Vancouver with Fraser Valley, I had a really good experience. Um, you know, Dylan Kular, the president, Kyle Julius, who's now coaching the team, was the GM. Uh, those guys welcomed me into the league and helped me a lot. And I've gotten to know a lot of people here in Canada over the years and, you know, uh, just love the direction of the league. The, the CEBL is so much fun. And when the opportunity came about to be a head coach and a general manager here in Winnipeg and build up an organization, uh, I just jumped at it. I think Winnipeg is a great sports town. Obviously, the Jets, the Bombers, the Goldeye, and I think there's a missing piece that I think the Sea Bears can really establish and fill in. So we're excited about this first season, and I'm really, really thankful and happy to be here in Winnipeg. Mike, uh, you mentioned that you do have some experience in the CEBL. I mean, this is a very young league, and it is new to a lot of people that are watching or listening to this for the first time. But there is a couple years back in. Tell us about you know your time um, out west uh, and, and what people need to know or should know about this league um, that now includes Winnipeg as an expansion franchise. Well, I think Canada basketball in general over the last decade has made big strides. You see so many outstanding, talented players getting to the highest levels of the NBA. But beyond that, there's so many players that more Canadians are playing overseas than ever before. There's, you know, tremendous improvement in Canada basketball. Uh, and what I love about what CEO Mike Morreale has done with this league, he's he's created a a really quality league in a in a you know nice time of the year for everyone. This is a really fun league to be a part of. I think there's very good people, uh, and the quality and level of the league is is really solid, and it's ever improving. Uh, so we hope to add to that, you know, this year in Winnipeg. I think we've got a great market. We've got, the, in my opinion, the best facilities. Um, and I'm really excited to see what we can do. But my experience in in Fraser Valley was a very positive one. Uh, met many good people out there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's uh, it's great experience to draw from as we get ready for this inaugural season here in Winnipeg. You know, you mentioned the season, and I, and I guess I was going to tie this into a couple of the uh, of the U Sports athletes that were drafted or signed to training camp, but Mike Rainbow as well, who just had you know a phenomenal year taking the Westman to Nationals for the first time in I think like three decades on the staff. And tell us a little bit about the rest of the team behind the team, your coaching staff, before we get to the players that'll be uh, on the court. Yeah, since you bring Mike up, I mean, love Mike Rainbow. Uh, right from the beginning, he was like, hey, I'm available if, if I can be involved and I can help. And 
I think when you come to a new place, it's really important to have somebody that you trust and you count on that knows the area very well. So that that's going to be Mike for us. I think Mike brings a, a really uh, great understanding of the game. Um, he knows the, a lot of the local players. Uh, and, you know, for Mike to have such a great season and, and you know, push Winnipeg into the, the Nationals, uh, you know, out east, he did such a great job. Um, so we're really thankful that, that he's a part of it. I think he'll add a lot in terms of basketball, you know, but I think he'll also add a lot just personally because he's a very good guy. Uh, our, our top assistant, our assistant general manager is, is Ryan Thompson from Lakehead. Ryan worked with me last year in Fraser Valley. Um, you know, Ryan and Josh Reddy, our video guy, they also, those two guys were outstanding workers, great workers, great people. Uh, and when you build up an organization from the beginning, you need to have some guys that kind of have some experience and, you know, we've worked together. So I'll count on those guys tremendously. Um, Juwan Brown will arrive as a player development coach for us. He's been with the Texas legend in the D league. I've seen him up close and personal, very impressed. And I think, all of our players will benefit from time with him. Um, William Gachalian was uh, the uh, director of analytics for the champion Honey Badgers last summer. And I got to know him working in the BCLA team. Um, and I think he'll help us be really efficient with our game, efficient with our team, and create some advantages analytically. So I think we've got a wide variety of, of staff. We've got good coaches. Um, and I'm really excited to get to work with these guys. We've kind of hit it off here in the last week. Um, yeah, and I, I'm really excited to work with them this summer. Seabears head coach Mike Taylor is with us, getting ready for training camp and the home opener on May 27th down at Canada Life Center. Um, you mentioned this is an expansion team, Mike. You have experience in the league. Um, just before we talk about the players that'll be, uh, you know, wearing the unis this year and hopefully getting some wins for the city, um, tell us about the process of putting this roster together and everything that goes on behind the scenes. I can't imagine how much work there is in starting and establishing a new team. Uh, certainly there's the business ops side, but you know, from a player personnel side and building a team, uh, you're really starting from scratch, but there's some exciting players that are going to be coming to camp. Yeah. The exciting thing is it's like a blank script, a blank paper, and you can kind of create it in your image and, and how you like it. So that's exciting. But I think on the other side, a lot of the things that an established organization has in place, you know, you've got to establish. So I want to say, you know, David Asper has been fantastic ownership wise, uh, you know, empowering the organization uh, in a positive way. Uh, I want to say, you know, Jason Smith, the president, has really been fantastic doing a lot of the work behind the scenes for months. Uh, and now he's, you know, getting some help from from finally hiring, you know, different staff in the in the organization. But, you know, we've we've worked a lot. Uh, it's it's not perfect. You know, there's going to be a lot of things that, that we need to, you know, address and build up and let's say fix. But I think that the the, the really positive thing is that that there's a, a great direction. Uh, we have tremendous potential here, and we want to try to maximize that potential. I love the values that David brings, that Jason brings. They want to be people first. They want to try to take care of the players and the staff. They want to make sure people have a really good experience here in the city. And I, again, I say our facilities, basketball-wise, with Canada Life, best venue in the league, sport for life, outstanding practice facility, training facility, with everything we could ask there. But, you know, the, the organization has done a great job, you know, getting the players quality apartments and, and things along these lines. So I think the whole player experience will be great. I also want to add uh, Megan Noonan has done a great job behind the scenes as well. Uh, you know, former uni University of Winnipeg guard, 
she's come in and, and really taken a lot of responsibility during some challenging times. And she's also done an excellent job. So everyone's working hard, working together. Uh, but behind the scenes, it's uh, it's a lot to build up a, a brand new organization for sure. Mike, um, I'm glad you mentioned all that because there is, I mean, for any team, but especially a new team, there is so much that needs to get done before, um, you know, anyone buys a ticket or gets in the building. Uh, and it's obviously a great team behind the scenes right now with the Sea Bears. That being said, the guys that'll be in front of everybody are the players. You mentioned that you sort of had a blank slate to put this quad together. Um, and you mentioned the image. What before the team even plays and really gets on the court? What is the image that you see for your basketball team? Well, we want to be a, a, a team first. Uh, you know, team. We want to be a team that plays really well together. I think while other teams will try to load up with talented players, we want to you know be a team that really you know fits well, competes well. Um, we want to be a physical team. I think if you look at our roster, we've got some size and physicality on it. And I think we want it to be a team that plays to its identity. Um, you know, we've, we've tried to steer away from guys that may, oh, I'm, I'm a talented player, but I'm going to NBA Summer League, or I'm a talented player and I'm, I'm going to these tryouts. We want to get guys who are committed to Winnipeg all summer, and we want to kind of grow as a team and, and help players understand how to play together uh, and, you know, have a clear picture of how to attack every situation that's put in front of them. So, as you look at our roster, we've tried to fit pieces together. We've tried to bring in guys with experience. You know, this roster has five players with CEBL experience. It has three players who have won a CEBL championship. And I think that's a really good place to start uh, for an expansion team. So, uh, again, we're about team basketball. And we want to, you know, complement each other and make our teammates better. Uh, and, you know, again, we want to try to connect with the fans. They, play us seeing, they, they see us playing hard all the time. Uh, that's what we want the Seabears to be known as. You know, speaking of players with some CEBL, uh, EBL experience, um, we had the pleasure of welcoming on uh, Chad Posthumus after he was the uh, first player, first Seabear coming on. Um, the big Seabear. Yeah, the, the biggest, I'd imagine. Um, listen, we had a great chat with him, and uh, he seemed really excited to be coming back and doing his thing here in his hometown. Tell us about Chad and what he brings both on the court experience-wise and what a cornerstone you hope he will be for this club. We love Chad. Uh, he's a, just a great guy. He's a very good person. We're very fortunate that he just happens to be six foot 11, big and strong and physical hometown guy. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to go to lunch with him a couple different places here in the city. Great conversations. Seems like everybody knows him. Um, you know, he's one of these skyscrapers in downtown Winnipeg walking around. Uh, but you know, we, we obviously, We'll talk a lot about what he's doing for us basketball wise, but I think it's great to have an identification figure uh, as an expansion team, Winnipeg zone, uh, you know, big Chad. And, you know, he's helped our team so much off the floor as we've gone through this buildup process. Uh, I can't say enough good things about him and I'm really looking forward to, to working with him here in Winnipeg. We had the chance to be together in the BCLAs when he you know played with the honey badgers and I was an assistant on the staff and I really enjoyed the time with him. So I'm thankful to have a, a player like Chad here, and I think he'll quickly become a fan favorite.
Well, and Mike, speaking of local talent, I mean, this is one of the great things about the CEBL is that, you know, there are great opportunities for uh, young men that may still be playing university ball. And Simon Hildebrand, who was the uh, Rookie of the Year for the Manitoba Bisons, was your first draft pick. And we're just going down this list. I mean, Ryan Luke and uh, Sean Moranen, who's a favorite of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk from that Westman squad, Donald Stewart as well. I mean, there is going to be opportunities for some local players in addition to Big Chad. Without a doubt. So you can see our training camp roster is filled with Winnipeg flavor. Uh, obviously, the big hope for us is that Simon can, you know, play on this level in a contributing way uh, and continue his upward trajectory after the fantastic season at Manitoba. He's the first U sport draft pick for us, and we're going to give him the opportunity to earn a big role in the team and and really develop his game and challenge himself so that hopefully he can go back to, to Kirby in Manitoba next year and just be a next level player. Um, but Simon is, is a fantastic young man. He's, he's a really talented guy and he'll be a really big part. I think it'll be fun for Seabear fans to see him grow and develop throughout the summer. But the rest of those guys, again, you know, we're counting on them for, for quality depth in practice, practice players most of the year, but we kind of wanted to pick guys that would be able to benefit and, and grow and develop. Uh, so in a way, give back to the college programs. I also want to say guys like, you know, Justice Elaine, uh, you know, former Manitoba player who's played overseas a little bit, Narcisse Ambanza. These guys, I think, are going to really work hard to try to earn spots on the team. And it's great that they're both from the local universities here in the city. Well, and just on that, Mike, I mean, going forward into the future beyond this year, how do you envision the relationship between the pro team, the Seabears, with the programs of uh, Mike over at UW and, uh, of course, Kirby at the U of M? Yeah, I, I think, as you've seen, we've tried to establish that connection immediately. Uh, we're one of the fortunate places here where we have two outstanding university programs uh, to draw from, and we respect both. We like both. Um, and it's one of these circumstances that I think that, you know, you can kind of get people into the sea bear system, get them into the sea bear culture and always have uh, the potential to bring in different players throughout uh, the, the future years. But Winnipeg, I think, has a hunger for basketball. There's quality basketball in the city at the youth sport level. Uh, and now we have the opportunity to try to, to do something on the professional level here in the CEBL. And it's, it's really uh, something to be excited about. Mike, we uh, focused in uh, a little bit on the, uh, you know, chat, of course, and the other local players. Um, and listen, I know you're going to get to training camp and everyone's going to have to earn a spot on the court and on the team and earn their playing time. But um, maybe just if you could tease a few of the uh, the players that, you know, you've signed to this club that you are expecting to be big parts of this team that people can look for, out for when they get to Canada Life Centre on the 27th of May. Well, we've, we've done a good job with the roster as an expansion team, as I've said. Um, I think we have some pieces in place that can be impact players. Uh, I think the biggest name that raised some eyebrows around the league is Teddy, Teddy Allen, known as Teddy Buckets. Uh, Teddy is a tremendous scorer. He knows the league from his time in Scarborough last year. Um, you know, he, he played really well at Nebraska in college. He played well at uh, New Mexico State, went on a great run in a tournament there. Um, you know, and, and again, this is a guy who is an unorthodox scorer, but he can be what we hope is a primary playmaker, a primary scorer in the CEBL. As we've known the league, big guards do well. Uh, we saw that with Jalen Harris and Scarborough, Tony Carr in Saskatchewan. Uh, so we'll put the ball in Tony's hand. I'm sorry, in Teddy's hands. Uh, Teddy will be able to create for himself and for others. So I think he's a guy that 
you know, if he can become an MVP caliber player for us, then that's a great thing. Um, you know, I think that the other import player that we brought in that people will recognize three point shooter, Adam Hess, Adam also was in the league last year in Guelph. Um, he's a high level three point shooter. Um, you know, that's what he does. So when we have big inside presence with Chad and other players in the paint, um, I think, you know, AJ can, can really, let's say, uh, you know, open up the floor for everyone. So AJ for me is, is another important piece to the puzzle. Uh, EJ Anosike is a really physical front court player. He's a combination forward that is a difficult matchup. He's got a great motor, uh, tremendous rebounder, works really hard. Um, you know, if, if you're bigger than him or, or a big body to try to match his physicality, he's quick enough to get by you. Uh, if you're smaller and you say we're going to match up with quickness on you, he'll just play bully ball. Uh, so he's a matchup. We hope to create matchup advantages with EJ. Uh, and again, he's a guy that loves to work on his game, loves to be in the gym. Um, you know, so those would be our three import players. I think the, the other Canadian guys that will be key right now, Glenn Yang, uh, who, you know, is, is a Calgary guy, played in Asia, East uh, Bay Dragons in the East Asia Super League. What I like about, Ch uh, you know, what I like about Glenn is the fact that he's a big body for a point guard. He's physical. Um, you know, and I think he's really motivated to take his game to the next level this summer. Uh, so we, we are really excited about adding, you know, Glenn. Another guy who is going to, you know, join us at a later date is Shane Osiende. Uh, Shane is a experienced forward. You know, he's won a championship in the league in, in Saskatchewan. Um, I think Shane has the ability to really be an impact player at the five, at the four. I really enjoyed my time around him with uh, the, you know, Honey Badgers and the BCLA. He's currently playing in Qatar. Uh, he's had a great run in Lebanon and Qatar since the BCLA. So he's continuing his career and doing very well over there. He'll join us as soon as he's he's completed with that. Um, our international player will be Jelani Watson-Gale. And when we signed Jelani, several coaching friends were like, hey, you got a good one. This guy really played well for the Bristol Flyers in England. And what we hope Jelani can do is come in and give us a dynamic playmaker who, you know, opens up the, let's say, uh, you know, he can create some shots for himself and, and get, you know, penetrate, break down defenses and things like this. So we hope that can happen. Uh, a complimentary Canadian big would be Stefan Ingo, who if you have big Chad Posthumus, who is going to be physical and, and do the, the, the traditional five man things, I think Stefan is the athleticism. He's the, the rim protector. He's the shot blocker. He's the guy who's going to do the athletic things in transition. And um, I think that he's going to be a really nice complimentary fit uh, to the rest of that front court. Uh, so, you know, we like the, the team that we have. I think I've touched on everybody. You know, let me see if I missed anyone. You may, might be able to help me. Uh, Tyler Sagel, he was our second U-Sport draft pick, played at the university, at Lakehead University. Again, another good three-point shooter. Uh, we feel that, you know, if there's injuries or things like this, that he could step in and help us. And how could I forget Michael Okafor, his teammate at uh, Lakehead, played for Coach Ryan Thompson, our guy. Uh, and the thing about Michael is, you, you know, CBL experience from uh, Hamilton last year, now Brampton, but won a championship with those guys. So we feel like we've got an elite defender. We've got a guy that understands the league, and we've got a guy that uh, can really impact our, our team uh, athletically, defensively. And, you know, he's got a gregarious personality. So I think fans will, will, will like Michael a lot.
Yeah, get the guy on the team that wins every year. That's the way you start an expansion team, right? Well, we got three of those guys. You know, Michael won in in Hamilton, now Brampton, and Chad and Shane won in Saskatchewan. So, again, I think it's important for us to try to give some of those new guys, you know, some players that they can rely on, maybe ask some questions about, hey, how does this work? How does this go? What's it like in this league? What should I think about? And I think that veteran experience from some of these guys will be really beneficial for, for the newcomers. Mike, I got to tell you, I was already excited for the season, but just hearing your passion and energy for this team, I'm uh, even more excited to get out there on the 27th of May. Just before we go, and thanks again for doing this, um, what should people uh, know about this team and most importantly, the league and the product that um, they'll be seeing if they buy a ticket and show up on the 27th to see this new era of basketball here in the peg? Well, know that it's a, a team that's going to put his heart into uh, the Sea Bears and put his heart into Winnipeg. Um, you know, we love the the sports city that Winnipeg is. I'm completely impressed by it. Uh, again, David, as an owner, is his heart is in it, and and he's really trying to establish a you know something that can connect with the city and something that can be a piece uh, you know to add to the whole you know Winnipeg culture. Um, we want to to build our uh, organization the right way. The ultimate goal for every organization is to win a championship, but obviously that's not, I will say that's hard to do in the first year when you're learning so much and building up so much. Uh, keep in mind, you know, Montreal won six games last year and um, uh, Newfoundland won five, but we want to build the organization for the long haul. We want to establish the foundation. We want to connect with the city. We want to put a, you know, a bunch of players that are committed to the Sea Bears and play hard every single game, every single second, put their hearts into it. Um, and I think we're on the right track. Um, you know, how far this team can go, you know, I'm excited to challenge it and see how far it does go. But I really believe that the, the excitement and enthusiasm in the city, you can feel it. Uh, and I think, the 27th, when Vancouver comes to town and there's that tip-off and everybody's in the Canada Life Center, you know, we have the chance to set the attendance record for the first game, the league attendance record. So I think we're starting in a great place. And then what we want to do is work to be consistent, uh, you know, work to sustain the success that we have, put our processes in place, establish that foundation, and then, again, grow uh, with the league. I think the CEBL is a fun league. I think we've got a great organization right here that's building and growing. And I think we've got a great city to play in here in Winnipeg. So it's it's going to be uh, an exciting summer. And I think we have everything we need to be successful. Let's do this. Saturday, May 27th, the uh, rebirth of Pro Hoops in Manitoba and in Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Sea Bears with their home opener. Mike, uh, let's do this again very soon. Good luck with training camp. Good luck with this, getting the squad ready. And uh, Good luck in game number one. We'll look forward to having you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk throughout the season and uh, wish you and the organization all the best. Thank you very much, Andrew. We really appreciate it. Go see Bears. Yeah, that was a lot of fun talking to Mike today. Cannot wait for a pro hoops to get back. And it really enjoyed some of the uh, comments in the chat about the old Thunder days at the arena and the Cyclone days at the uh, convention center. Obviously a big, big boost for the franchise to be able to play their games down at Canada Life Center. Um, we are going to be getting ready for Gold Eye season over the next couple days, as well as opening night at Assiniboia Downs, which is coming up on Monday, May 22nd, end of the May long weekend. What a great way to finish off three days off by uh, getting out for the first night of live racing. Thursday, 
Darren Dunn will join us on the program to preview everything coming up for the year out at the track. And then on Friday, after he showed up the day before the Kentucky Derby and told all of us to take Mage to win, who won the Derby, you know, we got to get Kurt Contois back to get his thoughts on the Preakness. So, uh, and a little horse racing talk uh, towards the end of the program over the next couple days, or Thursday and Friday. And, of course, Monday is opening night. Check out AS Downs for uh, all the information on the upcoming season. Looking forward to getting out to Aikens Lake this year. Uh, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge is a perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses. Only a few hours from Winnipeg. Travel's quick and easy. You can re- reward your top customers or organize a very unique team-building experience. So important with people who are working uh, remotely from home or businesses, some getting rid of offices altogether. Find out more online at akinslake.com about the Akins experience. Take it from me, it is world class. And maybe the only thing better than the incredible fishing is the incredible hospitality of Pitt and the gang out at Akins Lake again online at akinslake.com. PGA Championship is starting up on Thursday. I'll have to maybe get Feinberg on the program tomorrow to get some picks beforehand. We'll certainly hit that tomorrow in the lock shop. Uh, but anytime it's a major week, a little bit more fun getting ready for uh, the big event. Of course, uh, whenever we talk golf, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, great programs for men, women, and juniors, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful courtside patio. Find out more on getting on the waiting list and making breezy your long-term golfing home. Talk to our friend Corey Johnson over at the course or find out more online at breezybend.ca. And hey, a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Probably be having a few Little Brown Jugs on Friday at the Gold Eyes game, but with it being so nice outside right now, if you haven't checked out the beautiful patio they put in at the end of the year last year, which hosted our first Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night, Get on down there, try all their great beers, including the new generic lager, a personal favorite. You can pick up all their beers there, as well as at vendors throughout the city. And you can always get them and order it for delivery online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, get to the cool bet lines right away, but let's get Remus back in here. Uh, Matt, I was impressed with Mike Taylor. It was the first time we'd had a chance to talk to him and, uh, he really does feel like he has that energy of a basketball coach and uh, made me that much more excited to see uh, the return of pro hoops to the city. Yeah, it was great talking with him and uh, hearing his energy about the polar bears and what they want to bring to the team and what they want to create here. I think it's really exciting that pro basketball is back in Winnipeg. Haven't had it since the cyclone. And I remember uh, the thunder as well. So I think this is going to be pretty cool. You know, there's a number of, you know, pro leagues in Europe, and uh, we had Commissioner Mike Morreale on talking about what they're trying to do with the CEBL, and great to hear that they could be breaking attendance records for the first game here. Um, you know, they I like how they have a, a Winnipegger as their base of the franchise, and Chad Posthumus, who we had on here as well. So I think this is going to be exciting. I want to see how it's going to work. There's going to be a couple games on TSN as well. Um but yeah, that first one I think is nice. a big one on the 27th at Canada Life Center. And I saw questions in chat about people were saying uh, sea bears. Well, that is the with the English translation of the Latin name for polar bear. And Jay, Mil- Jay Miller asked, how are they going to be playing at Canada Life Center? I said, Jay, they're going to be putting a court over the ice. They're not going to be playing 
playing on the skates. ice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not skates. basketball on skates. So that's, that's what makes it Canadian about the Canadian elite yeah. basketball league. They are on skates. Well, there is a what that slam ball with trampolines. And isn't there? You can I think some like roller. I thought slam ball was coming back. It Wasn't is. It, weren't they relaunching slam ball? Yes. Yeah. It is. And then it is coming back. I'm not sure when. I think summer 2023. But what if they had like basketball on like rollerblades? I know people do that. Sometimes they have like the multi court. Anyways, that is not it. This is real, real basketball yeah. with some real basketball players, guys who've had a lot of experience in either the G League or, or uh, you know, r- leagues around the world. So this is going to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope that it's even close to what it was like with the Thunder back, and I want to say '94 when uh, the Thunder started off. Uh, and listen, I think there was eleven thousand people for the first game. They got great crowds that first season. Unfortunately. The league that they were in was a complete joke. And by the end of the year, four of the six teams had folded. And conveniently, that left the Thunder to play in a championship final against the Dayton Wings, which was a best of five. And the players were paid by the game. So all games in Winnipeg as well. So uh, the Dayton Wings won the first two games shockingly lost games three and four and then ran away with it in game five. Um, (laughs) Like the entertainment was amazing. Um, The organization in that league was a real, real hamper to uh, everything that they had going on, trying to establish pro hoops back here. Obviously it was a little different when the Cyclone were playing at the convention center, but that's why this is such a huge win for the Seabears to be playing at Canada Life Center. So uh, looking forward to getting out there. Hopefully we'll have Mike on again. He was uh, a great guest and, um, and our guy, Sean Moranin, who we had on the program before the West one, went to Nationals, also in the training camp roster as well. So great to see some of the local flavor involved in the club as well. Uh, and by the way, for those, I think it was BA that was talking about a certain weather broadcaster here in Winnipeg that was the former mascot for the Cyclone. It was, in fact, the Thunder. And uh, Colleen, yes, Colleen Brady was Baby Boom. Kaboom was the main mascot. And then Baby Boom, Colleen was an incredibly talented rhythmic gymnast and uh, was one heck of a mascot as well before she became CTV weather specialist. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for uh, tonight. And uh, we do have lines now for the series between the Panthers and Hurricanes and the Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. The Canes are a minus 137 favorite. Interesting. That was minus 130 earlier. So it looks like the early money's going on Rod the Bod and the Hurricanes. Panthers plus 116 for the series. And uh, oh, the Vegas Golden Knights minus 128. Uh, funny, I was looking at some other books earlier, and it was in fact uh, Carolina that was the biggest favorite. Um, but it looks like, uh, or sorry, Vegas was the biggest favorite. But in fact, over cool bet is it is the uh, Canes. I kind of do like Vegas and Carolina in these series. Dallas is plus 108. We know how good Ottinger is, but I I'm in, was unfortunately impressed with what Vegas did to the home team here. And we saw the way they handled a devastating Oilers attack. Uh, I think they're ready to go to the final again. Who who you, if you had to put a nickel right now on who's going to win the cup, Remo, who do you who do you have? I said at the beginning of the show I was in on Dallas. Um I think I'm interesting. Dallas is the long I know, shot that's, of the of the four teams. I don't like to take favorites, so I'm taking Dallas. Carolina, I think, is very good too. Plus two thirty. I would go one of one of those two. 
Yeah, 230 for the Canes, 260 plus 265 for the Knights, plus 280 for the Panthers, and plus 310 for the Dallas Stars. Uh, As far as the NBA playoffs go, we got a game tonight. Lakers and the Nugs in Denver. Denver, a big favorite, minus 244. Lakers plus 202. And in that series, the Nuggets are a minus 152 favorite. I'm going head-to-head with Dusty. Dusty, huge LeBron guy in the lock shop. We hit that earlier today. And Dusty's actually riding with the Miami Heat for the series, who are like a plus 405 underdog. He made a pretty compelling argument why there's a lot of value on the Heat, though. I'm taking the Celtics in four or five, that being as said. And as far as the uh, Blue Jays go tonight, tough one last night for Alec Manoa. He continues to struggle. Uh, but the Jays back at it tonight and a minus 172 favorite over the New York Yankees, who are plus 152. And PGA Championship odds are up. We'll hit those tomorrow. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is your favorite right now at 8-1. to one. John Rahm at plus 825. And then Rory McIlroy at 14. So two clear favorites. And then the rest of the group will hit that in the lock shop tomorrow and here on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. Again, if you haven't already um, played a cool bet, you'd like to, get on over to coolbet.com. Use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, well, Remo, we got ice tonight at 9 p.m., and I guess we know what we're doing before that. Yeah, we'll be at this Kenny and Rennie year-end party. Everyone asking if you're going to be there, I will be. Oh, I'll uh, be there. I will be there looking forward to meeting a number of people. Shout out to Kenny and Rennie for putting on this event. I know Sean like hasn't been on TV the last two weeks since the Jets. He's, he's, he's their K&R admin assistant. It's full-time job keeping track of all the tickets. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you have, what, like 200 names or whatever, and it's all individual emails, I can't imagine the work that's <laughs> gone into this. I'm not sure he planned it out that maybe the most efficient way no, of making it happen. But uh, that's the sort of grind and the work of the Winnipeg digital sports community trying to put together shows and put together great events. So um, we will be there tonight. I think it starts around 6. Yeah, I'm, I can't go uh, until, goes until uh, later on. So I'll show up 7.30 uh, or something like that. Yeah, but uh, that's down at TCB. Great pizza, great beer. So it should be fun. So, yeah, anyone that's coming there, we will see you there tonight. And otherwise, Reem, uh, what an interesting few days. Uh, getting ready for fish season, getting ready for the track. Um, Marat's away, but Billick will come on tomorrow and we'll hit the main stories in and around the Winnipeg Jets. And then Rewiki as well. And as I mentioned, Darren Dunn. And I can't wait to get Kirk's Preakness pick, considering the way he nailed the derby a couple weeks ago on the show. I'm curious to hear what he has to say. I'll also, PGA Championship... I'm gonna have to get my picks in, in for that. Um, you know, great. I'll be watching Ooh. on the weekend. So, speaking of which, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, do a DraftKings uh, sure. WST DraftKings for that. I will set sure. up a contest right away, so you can check that in about five minutes and do a little three dollar team, and uh, we'll see who can take it down with the crew. Here, speaking of pools, I do. Since we finished the second round, it's officially over. I'll just do a quick update, Hus, on our. We got an office pool here. Out to top line. He's in first place, one ninety-seven points. Lyman, check his team. He's got, he's got Kakaniemi uh, left. Nate Nietzsche's, Marcheso Smith, Burns, Brady Shea. That's who he's got left. Uh, my friend iPhone Benj, uh, local comedian Benji Rothman. There. Oh, he's Benj. In, he's in a tie for second, one ninety-six. 
I'm the player with the most guys left. I seen him in Ch Larry Eloy. He's got nine nine guys left. He's in the tie for ninth. Who does he have left? Who does he have left? Let's He's check got team. Hints, Domi. Wow, he took Hints and Domi. Nice work, Larry. Kakanayemi, uh, Johnston, Ben. Well, he's very heavy Dallas. I think if Dallas wins, he could he could take this oh, thing down. Oh, yeah. Wow. Once again, Ben Pavelski. Wow. Whew. And then who else? Who else is in here? I'm trying to think. Well, Andy, we also did the bracket challenge pool. Has I am actually in six, but I'm done. This was my bracket, so I don't have any. I only have the Carolina. But whoever's in, who's in first, Hellebucked, he's in first with 125, and he can't gain any more. But this Braden Fleming, he can get a possible 152, but I don't, and he's got Dallas in the final, so he could take it. Shout out to him. There's a couple people who picked Dallas, but I think Colorado, Boston, Edmonton were the heavy, heavy favorites. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, most people's brackets were uh, done quite early after what happened in the uh, in the first round. Well, good luck to everyone as we continue the rest of the postseason. Uh, and enjoy this game tonight. Dan Robertson on the call, voice of the Winnipeg Jets, calling the Winnipeg Ice 9 p.m. on TSN from Seattle, Game 3 of the Western Hockey League Final. Uh, and a big, big game tonight out at the Centennial Cup as well. 7.30 p.m., Steinbach Pistons going up against the Battleford North Stars, the uh, champs of the Saskatchewan League. Pistons 1-1-1, one, one, and one, Battleford 2-1. and one. The winner of this will guarantee their spot in the playoff round coming up on the weekend. And the Portage Terriers are going up against the undefeated Collingwood Blues tomorrow. So uh, still lots to be determined over at the uh, Centennial Cup. But great show today. Thanks again to Mike Taylor for joining us on the program. John Mattis, Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll check in on Bomber Camp over the next couple days as well. Get ready for gold eye season and have more scuttlebutt on the offseason for the Winnipeg Jets and so much more. Big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day and all of you for hanging out with us we see you tonight make sure to say hi and otherwise we'll see you tomorrow 1 p.m right here on youtube for another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily have a great one everyone oh my god oh! shut it down let's go thanks for tuning in to winnipeg sports talk daily Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.